Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 357. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Con- uh, Matt. <laughs> Number one, how dare you? <laughs> Number two, how dare you? <laughs> I didn't even mean that. Do you know what? Do you know what? I was- I was- I think I was thinking of him because I was thinking in a second I'm going to complain that he didn't show up for TV news last night and just oh. generally complain about his absence. But I was thinking ahead and I, it got in the way of the intro. I apologize, Matt. That was a cardinal you, sin. You've accused me of some very bad things, but calling me Connor's the worst. <laughs> yes, yes. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about the, the week's DC Comics that we read. So coming up on this show, we have Titans issue one. We have Batman, the Brave and the Bold issue one. Superman issue 4, The Flash 799, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 15, Batgirls issue 18, The Vigil issue 1, Cyborg issue 1, and that's it, that's a list. <laughs> so there you go. It's a pretty, pretty meaty list. It is a pretty meaty list. So we got we got three issue 1s, well, four issue 1s actually to look at. Yeah. Although, full disclosure, um, we didn't read all of Brave and the Bold. Uh, we read the main story because we wanted to read that and we didn't necessarily really want to read the rest of it. But especially in a week where it was the eighth book. So, uh, it is what it is. It just... But we, we had to read the Tom King and Mitch Gerrard story. There was just no way we weren't doing that. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, since I do have the issue, maybe I'll read it next week because I'm looking at next week and it's not as packed. Oh, it's next week but... quieter, yeah. So but... it's a bit quieter, so... Well, not only is there a nice, healthy list of books, there's also solicits to deal with this week. So yeah. we're going to get into that as well. So exciting stuff. But of course, as you know, Matt, mm-hmm. there is always a slice of time to carve out for the Comixology top you're, 10 of the week. Sir, you're batting a thousand with your words today. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, if I, didn't, if I didn't know you any better, I'd ask if you'd had a head injury recently. <laughs> I don't know. I'm already a little bit hungry, so by the time we get done with this Mammoth episode, I'm probably going to be like... More on Mammoth than Cyborg. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, would surprise me. I don't know. We're starting a little bit later this week, so I'm a little worried it'll be too late to order food by the time we're done, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. If we need to take a break, uh, if you're feeling like you need to order... Uh, then we, I mean, we can I, always do that. I can order while you're talking. This stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> I am long-winded. So, uh. But, I'm not necessarily definitely going to, but I've got a feeling that I'm going to be desiring such a thing yes. come the end of this show. It's just a feeling I've got. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll get into the Comic Solid Top 10 to start off with. We'll look at Tuesday, which is DC's books, and then the Wednesday for the rest of the week. This is just the current rankings at the time of recording, which is Saturday, usually. Saturday in this case anyway, yep. for uh, the books on Comixology, which is just you know Amazon slash Kindle slash Comixology or whatever the actual website is called these days. So, uh, without further ado, would you like to guess the number one selling DC comic as of right now on Comixology, Matt? I'm going to guess Titans. It is Titans! New number one, you got that Tom Taylor uh, cache. Nicola Scott on the art. It's it's yeah. There's, there's a lot. One two punch of awesomeness. His Nightwing's been doing pretty yeah. well, so it makes sense that his uh, Titans would be hot out of the gate. Uh, number two is Batman: Brave and the Bold, which you know is an eight dollar book, but it does have that main story with uh, yeah. the creative team who did you know Mister Miracle and you know 
Doctor The Riddler. Oh, and the Riddler one shot. I was thinking yeah. Strange Adventures. Yeah. I almost said Doctor Strange, which I've made that yeah. mistake before. Yes. Doctor um, Adam yeah. Strange. They they hype that up a lot online, but also you're you're you think you're paying for the Garrett's art, but you're really paying for the Tom King art in there. <laughs> so So I got number two. Number three is Superman issue four. Number four is World's Finest. Number five is Cyborg issue one. Number six is the Flash seven nine nine, number seven is Wonder Woman seven nine nine, and number eight is the Vigil issue one, number nine is Black Adam issue eleven, and then number ten is Batgirls issue eighteen. So top ten, pretty reasonable. Uh, Catwoman not making the top ten. Yeah. Uh, that's number twelve. So. Yeah, well, the healthy week of books. It's nice to see those number ones all sort of sprinkled uh, in yeah. that top ten. You know, especially you, know, you get something like the Vigil. Uh, you know, just completely new team. You don't expect that to do gangbuster numbers by any means. Yeah, but it's not like it has a banner associated with any character either. No. Like, yes, they had their debut in, in. Was it Lazarus Planet first? Yeah. So. Yeah, one of those yeah. one shots. Yeah. Yeah, they're not they're not tight, even though they did pop up in deck. But, um, so yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, MV. Still okay. waiting on my Savage Shores to come through my shop. <laughs> Ordered that like two years ago. <laughs> I think they keep selling it and they keep forgetting to tell me it's in. So, fun times. So, that's DC's top 10 right now. Uh, so we'll look at Wednesday. Any guesses okay. to what the number one selling book from Wednesday hold on, is? Hold on, what's the, what's the new, what's the new banner? I'm not seeing a new banner. So I'm just going to guess uh, X-Men 22. Incorrect. Ooh. For you, Matt, there was a new issue one this week. Oh, shoot. Which it's was? Avengers? It's Avengers issue one by Jed McKay and Stuart Eminem. So, uh, big new number one launch. Uh, I haven't heard anyone talk about it, so I don't know what the, the reception Me is either. on it. Uh, but uh, So that's number one. Number two is X-Men 22. Uh, mm-hmm. Number three is X Force issue forty. Number four is Fantastic Four issue seven. Uh, number five is Guardians of the Galaxy. Number six is Hulk issue one. Or sorry, Hulk annual. Annual, I should say. Yeah, I saw I saw Johnson's name on there, but I think they're taking over. I think he's taking it over Incredible Hulk. So I might have to check that out when uh, when that drops. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think we knew that anyway. That he's taking over. Well, Hulk. yeah, but. His name is on the bottom, so I almost picked it up at the shop. Ah, okay. So I think I, he might have a story or something in there. Yeah, it's an annual, so he probably has the backup yeah. or something setting up yep. his thing. Uh, number seven is She-Hulk, issue 13. Number eight mm-hmm. is Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Number nine is Captain America, Sentinel of America. And then number ten... Sentinel of Liberty. Sentinel of, Sentinel of Liberty. Then there you go. Yeah. I'll be honest, the title's cut off. I just made a guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it literally says Captain America Sentinel of dot dot dot. Yeah. And I just thought I'll just I'll just I'll take a guess. Yeah. It, the, the, the font's kind of hard to read on the little cover, you know, mm-hmm. without clicking on it. I just I thought I'll take a well, shot. And the red on red doesn't help either yeah. on the cover. So. Uh, number ten's Venom issue nineteen. So uh, that is a, a an all Marvel top ten. So they had a lot of books out this week. Yeah. Uh, just to highlight some things after that, because there is some non-Marvel. In fact, almost the next five are all non-Marvel, uh, barring okay. one. Uh, well, again, I do this all the time. Technically, Star Wars is still Marvel, but you know what I mean. Uh, Star Wars: High Republic. Uh, the new issue of Power Rangers is um, 
is in there. Is that one one oh eight? Is that one? Let me click on it and find out. Uh, yeah, one oh eight. Yeah. Okay. So that's there. There's a Star Trek issue here. It's a Star Trek: The Motion Picture Echoes. So they've all got their motion picture outfits on. Hmm. Uh, so that's cool. The Sonic comics, the number 15. So yeah, there's a lot of like licensed stuff out this week as well. It yeah. seems to be doing right. Uh, the Predator book that's coming from uh, Marvel right now, issue three of that, is out. Um, yeah, maybe I'll go back and give that a try. I, I don't know if Ed Brisson's a name that gets me excited necessarily, but... I don't know, but may, maybe. I mean, the covers look cool, so... Yeah. Uh, at least the art looks like it's, it's going to be worth it. Because well, I read that Alien issue one, it only makes sense. Mm-hmm. I tried the Predator book as well, but right. uh, you know, I wasn't as aware of it as it was uh, coming. But uh, nah, cool. Uh, Jeff Lemire's book, Little Monsters, issue thirteens, was out this week as well. That's uh, mm-hmm. down here in the chart somewhere. So, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's a Planet of the Apes comic up right now as well. Apparently, I'll cool. Take your word for it. So, no, yeah, there you go. That's uh, the Comet Solid top ten. So we'll get into the solicits because obviously i mean admittedly i do think this will be a quicker solicit than normal because this is going to be the second half of all of the night terrors books replacing mm-hmm. most of the main stuff so that is just going to be a list of names basically as, as we come to them um as predicted though so this is the solicits for september but as we predicted last week when they announced that doomsday special which is at the end of august they've snuck in a couple of books at the end of august on its yeah. fifth week but uh, we'll work through the solicits. September, here we go. Uh, we get Action Comics Presents Doomsday Special Issue 1 uh, by Dan Waters and Eddie Barrows. We talked about mm-hmm. this uh, when it was announced last week. So that's cool. Uh, what we haven't talked about yet is Nort's Illustrated Swimsuit Edition Issue 1. Oh my goodness. Which is a 48-page one-shot coming in the, that last uh, Tuesday in August. And it's got, it's written by Steve Orlando and others, but the art is by a long list of names, which I assume are a yeah. lot of one shot or a lot of one page, like pinup style. Yeah, a lot art. of pinups because it's, it says collecting some of the steamiest swimsuit covers from DC's best talent. So, yeah, y'all want to get bonked? Go ahead and get this uh, I issue. Yeah, I wild stuff. Obviously, not something that we're going to look at, really, because it's a bit of a gimmick, mm-hmm. but if you're into it, by all means, go and enjoy your... The cover that they have here is hilarious because it looks like Nort is blow-drying himself with the, a Green Lantern construct um, after going swimming, so that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so... Let's move on to World's Finest, Issue 18... Uh, which has got a nice yeah. cover by Dan Moore. It's got it's got that split thing where half of it's yeah. Superman, half of it's Batman, and they're you know, yeah. uh, looks good. Uh, Travis Moore on art on this issue, which is a mm-hmm. solid artist actually. Obviously, yeah. Dan Moore is off to do other things at this point. Uh, yeah. but Travis Moore is a solid replacement. And he sure. did the the uh, Robin back in time, uh, issue. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's, he's he's done some. Uh, I think he's done some of Taylor's Nightwing. I want to say. Yep. Uh, stuff. So, and that that was always a good fill in mm-hmm. for uh, the regular art. So, uh, we got Steelworks issue three. We have Superman Annual, which is for August. Are these all August books? Oh, I think they were. I didn't want to correct you because I wasn't sure because the first couple. So I think this is I, August. This is August solicits. I could yeah. have sworn we'd already had August solicits. Mm-mm. 
because that's why I said last week we were getting yeah. books for the end of August. So okay, right. fair, fair enough. We're we're, we're on August solicits. Clearly, I have just lost track of of everything here. Um, <laughs> I wonder how many people are waiting for me to realize. Like, when's he going to realize that this is actually just all August well, solicits? The further we went down, the more I was seeing August, and I was eventually going to say something. <laughs> but yeah, I was too scared. I was too scared of me uh, whipping him out of place. Well, yeah, because he constantly yells at me, don't don't correct me on air, so... I have never yeah. said that in my life. You're making me sound like a tyrant, Matt. Uh, you guys see how he acts? <laughs> how dare you? Uh, so we got Superman Annual uh, for 2023 coming out at the end of yep. August, um, which is Williamson writing with a few artists on there. Uh, Strahr, Max Rayner, Jack Herbert, and Keatlin Yarsky. So... Yeah. So... It's obviously going to tease the next arc. It's going to do a bunch of stuff, but uh, I do prefer when it's the ongoing writer who's on the annual as opposed mm-hmm. to... I still have nightmares of that Aquaman annual that came out during uh, Kelly Sue's run, but it wasn't yeah. her doing the annual. It was just some random fill-in story, and it was terrible. Yeah. Like, I have... I, I, sometimes, I wake up in a cold sweat sometimes thinking about annuals like that. That's how much uh, Pete dreams of Aquaman. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> what can I say? I like to get it's not wet. even Momoa Aquaman, so you know. No, not at all. Yeah. I love how Matt just talked over my really dirty joke. I'll just move on. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it was about getting wet, everyone. Okay, all yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Right, uh, Night Terrors issue three, Night Terrors mm-hmm. issue four. Obviously, the, the two month uh, mini event, and then of course Night Terrors Night's End issue one. So this is a one shot, not part of the the two two yeah. short things that, that have already been announced uh, this is by Williamson with Howard Porter on art um, so this is tying into the story so they're giving us more tie-ins to read so thank you for that DC uh, I'm reading these <laughs> solicits and after reading Superman 4 there's not a villain that Williamson will not create that doesn't have Doctor in their name <laughs> so yeah just just to run down all these Night Terrors issue 2's which mm-hmm. are all the, the, the tie-in mm-hmm. two, two part series that we obviously talked about last solicits we got Night Terrors, I'm not even going to say Night Terrors, right? Just assume Night Terrors is in yeah. front of all these titles. Batman issue 2, Detective Comics issue 2, Nightwing issue 2, Poison Ivy issue 2, Catwoman issue 2, Harley Quinn issue 2, The Joker issue 2, Robin issue 2, oh, that's a crowbar, very good, uh, Superman issue 2, Action Comics issue 2, The Flash issue 2, Wonder Woman issue 2, Titans issue 2, Shazam issue to Green Lantern issue. That's a pretty cool cover on Green Lantern. Night Terror's Green Lantern issue to, to be yeah. fair. Uh, Black Adam issue to Angel Breaker issue to Zatanna issue to Punchline issue to It's not alphabetical and I thought Zatanna might be the last one. Ravager issue to And that's us. <laughs> that's the Night yeah. Terror's stuff. Done. We did it. Okay. We did it. Yes. How many of those issue twos will we read? Well, it depends how many those issue ones are good. <laughs> so we'll find out. Yep. We'll find out in July. Well, I mean, Mary Marvel apparently stars in the Shazam one, so I'll definitely be reading both of those. Oh, there's definitely some. Obviously, some of them have good creators on them, some of them less exciting, but I imagine I'll try most of the issue ones, and we'll see yeah. like which ones we want to read for the next month. I mean, my honestly, my bigger worry is that I'm just going to hate the main <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because you know Williamson is 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 chipping away at my faith in him. Uh, more on that later. <laughs> so we have 
the Penguin issue one, this is Tom King's book, so we heard this uh, be announced mm-hmm. or talked about recently. Uh, art by Raphael De La Torre. And uh, yeah, so this is a... Does this say how many issues there is? Is this not oh, a mini? Yeah. I don't think so. I assumed this was like a 12 issue uh, Tom King thing. Yeah, usually it says down here of, and there's no of, so. Yeah, weird. There's also a Penguin issue zero. Which we talked about. That's the the, the backups from Ah, Zorsky. okay. You're right, you're right, right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite, right, quite right, quite right. So, yeah. Anyway, obviously, new Tom King book, uh, who, mm-hmm. like, quite frankly, at this point, his track record is so exceptional, barring Heroes in Crisis, which feels less his fault and more just kind of mm-hmm. like the overall direction he was told to go in. And yeah, his Batman run did also kind of falter. But I mm-hmm. also do have to wonder how much of that was also like, you can't do this, you have to do this, you have to set up this, right. you know, like, uh, not that I'm saying it's not all on him. I think like the Nightmares arc, for example, does feel like just one of his ideas that wasn't that great. <laughs> but by and large, like, his track record at DC at this point is pretty exceptional. And again, well, more on that later. On, on, on stuff like this, it seems like hard-boiled, gritty yeah. type stuff too, so... You know, should be good. I, I loved his penguin in um, the clock one. Uh, that was that one called uh, Killing um, Time. Killing Time. Yeah. So uh, his penguin was was pretty pretty vicious in that. So let's see how retired penguin is now. Yeah, yeah it sounds uh, sounds good. So we got Hot Girl issue two. So that's the six issue mini that start in the prior month. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we have Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue five. I'm glad at least some of these books I'm enjoying aren't taking a break. Uh, yeah. So that's nice. Uh, we have World's Finest Teen Titans issue two. Uh, so God, this is such a great cover. <laughs> that is a pretty fun cover. But there is that Raven's head over the spooky house. I think I think so. Yeah, but it just it feels because it's Somni, so it feels properly Silver Age, it, but also new. It looks kind of Scooby Doo. I feel like Scooby Doo yeah. would be out of place on that. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that that series. Um, and we got Adventures of Superman, John Kent, issue six. This is Tom Taylor wrapping up his mm-hmm. his miniseries and his time on uh, John Kent in general. Mm-hmm. We have Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, issue five. We have Batman, the Brave and the Bold, issue four, uh, which uh, what was the Tom King and Garrett story already done by issue four? Looking like it. Yeah, I guess that's only three parts. Okay, fair enough. Although they were introducing the brutal Mr. Baseball, so uh, and it's Dennis Culver, not not uh, Williamson. So if it was Doctor Baseball, it was definitely Williamson. <laughs> I, I don't know which writer has a has a I don't know a, a history of baseball themed uh-huh. villains. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So uh, Tales of the Titans issue two. Uh, Tiny Howard. This is the the Raven one. Yeah, and then we got Spirit World issue four. Mm-hmm. We have the Vigil issue four. We have City Boy issue four. All makes sense. They all started the same month. Uh, that line of books. And then we got Ooh. Catwoman Uncovered, which I assume is just a, a series of covers, given the title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Same with Poison Ivy Uncovered. Uh, and then we have. I have a spare six dollars. Of course you do. Uh, there we have Batman Beyond Neo Gothic issue two, Harley Quinn back Black White and Redder issue two, uh, the Riddler Year One issue six, which is the end of that uh, mm-hmm. book. 
And then we have Batman White Knight Presents, Generation Joker Issue 4, The Sandman Universe, Night Country, Glass House Issue 4, Peacemaker Tries Hard Issue 4, Batman Incorporated Issue 11, uh, Batman The Adventures Continue Season 3 Issue 8. I don't have a whole lot to say in a bunch of these because obviously they're just yeah. yeah yeah these these are the books we usually don't have much to say on it's just they've taken away all the books we normally do have something to say on right because they're night terrors now they're night terrors yes uh danger street issue eight though that's a cover uh yeah that's a spooky cover for night terrors very very uh, for... scary cover there's <laughs> some uh danger street is what i'm saying <laughs> yeah uh especially considering that's fornes which doesn't really look like fornes so no props no uh, it's not here, but there's a variant covered by Mike Grell, which is an interesting... Yeah. Uh... Which I'm assuming has to do with Warlord, considering this is book 8, titled Warlord. Uh, so... That makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. So that's cool. Uh, and then DC Ruby, issue 7, Fables 161, uh, Multiversity, Harley Screws Up the DCU, issue 6, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, 1, 2, 3, Static, Shadows of Dakota, issue 6, the Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, issue 11. Uh, the Omega Men, issue 3, facsimile edition. Wildcats, issue 10. That wraps up all the single issues. Uh, after that, there's Nice House in the Lake, deluxe edition. So the nice hardcover of uh, yep. of that coming out. Um, there's a Ghost Maker slash Clown Hunter by James Tynan the fourth trade. Now I, Whack! I love Tynan, but if there was ever a book of his stuff to not appeal to us... <laughs> I mean, I don't really mean Clown Hunter, but Ghostmaker, I could, uh, yeah. This is, out. this is all the backups from, uh, like, one of his Batman arcs, plus, like, stories from Joker Warzone, and, you know, all those very, just all those loose stories that were about one of these two, effectively, yep. during his run. So All in one convenient place for me not to read. Yes, nice, easy to know. And there's Deceased Deluxe Edition, the first series, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes some sense. Um... And then we got uh, DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock vs. the Army of the Undead collection. Mm-hmm. We have Power Girl Returns by Leah Williams, so that'll be the okay. the action comics backups, I assume, plus yep. whatever else is plus relevant. Plus Lazarus Planet, Assault on Krypton 1, and Power Girl Special 1. So there you go. It'll be that whole that whole introductory thing yeah. in one spot. Uh, you might pick that up too. Connor's favorite book, Tim Drake, Robin, mm-hmm. Volume 1, uh, Mystery at the Marina. Talk about Scooby-Doo sounding. I know, it does sound like a Scooby-Doo story. Uh, Wonder Woman Blood and Guts, the deluxe edition. So this right. is just the... How many issues is this? Azarello. Azarello and Chain. Well, yeah, but that's not the whole run, though. It is uh, Wonder Woman 0 through 12, featuring a brand new cover. So, so that's a third of the run. So do you think they're going yeah. to do three volumes of this in this format? I do. Yeah. I do. They're gonna keep bleeding that dry because I, I I don't feel like any part of that runs like work works on its own. Like it feels like you either read the run or you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it well, and that's why I think they'll always be printing it in different versions like this is because it is pretty standalone. You know, it's it's a very unique Wonder Woman story. So, oh no, where'd he go? Every time he leaves, I always feel like Garth in Wayne's World, but I can't go look over there. Uh, calm down. It's all right. Uh, Batman and Robin Eternal Omnibus. Oof. Oh wow. Yeah, the weekly series from the New Fifty Two. Oof. And that was the, that was the second weekly series because Batman Eternal was first, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zatanna and the Ripper Volume One. Why is Zatanna got brown hair? She's got blonde tips. She's got like a 
A fade? Yeah, but her hair is usually dark. Like, like jet black. Uh, I don't know. She's trying something new. People try different hairstyles. <laughs> True. Well, I wonder if it has to do with the story of taking out Jack the Ripper. So, man, I might want to read this. This might seem good. Uh, there's a Dead Boy Detectives omnibus coming. Uh, mm-hmm. 800 pages. Do not drop that on your foot, please. Yeah. Uh, Static Up All Night is, uh, I think that's one of the original graphic novels, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got Batgirl Year One, new edition. So it's nice to reprint that because it's a very, very good story. Okay, I've never read it, so this might be oh. the time. Yeah, unless it's just a paperback, though. It's not like a fancy deluxe or yeah. anything, which is a shame. It's okay. <clears throat> then, then after that, we got a Batgirls uh, Volume Three, which is you know more, <laughs> more of the current arc. I just I heard uh, you panic as I was leaving to yep. close the door. Yep. Uh yeah, what's that? Thirteen to nineteen and the mm-hmm. annual. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. The the series is going up to issue twenty. What what's happening to issue twenty <laughs> if it's not in this trade? Yeah. Oh wait, did they just give something away? I don't know. I've not looked at the description yet. Don't read the description then, because I feel like it just gives something away. So okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh yeah, so it I, that's probably just a mistake there. It's a probably it probably is supposed to say thirteen to twenty, right. plus the annual, just because. So that's eight issues. That's about uh, a trade, right? Yeah, I mean it's a slightly bigger than normal, but mm-hmm. it's not like unheard of by any means. Um, because unless issue twenty is like really separate, but it feels like it won't be. It feels like it'll just be no. the end of the arc based yeah. on what we've been reading. So be a nice goodbye. Uh, Nightfall Omnibus Volume 1, a new edition, yep. so they're reprinting the Nightfall Omnibuses, which is cool, big, big collection there. Uh, you got Batman Volume 4, The Cowardly Lot, this is uh, the, the Tiny Run uh, mm-hmm. paperback Volume 4. Uh, Batman One Dark Knight, the Black Label book's getting its soft cover, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. Uh, Batman The Golden Age Omnibus Volume 10, I, you know, I love that they've been committed to this and that they've gotten to Volume 10 and these big chunks, because this is going to have... Batman 86 to 100 and Detective Comics 211 to 232. So you could now have the first 100 issues of Batman plus all the Detective Comics that were running alongside it in sequential yeah. order and nice big hardcovers. Like, I, everything should be available. Everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully that means that these, these are all, like, making their way to, like, nice remastered digital versions as well for the, yeah. the service or whatever. So uh, all very cool. Uh DC Horror presents Soul Plumber. That's getting its collection. Harley Quinn Volume Two, mm-hmm. uh, Soft Cover, uh, I Zombie: The Complete Series Omnibus. Oh, cool! That's fun. Uh, yeah. So I'll be. I don't think I realized that was DC. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was on WB, so maybe it was Vertigo originally. You're such an old man. The WB. CW. God damn, it's I got not, caught. It's not been WB since 2006. <laughs> yes, I know, but in my head, it's always the WB. And then I always have to autocorrect to CW, and I got caught, because I am an old man. This isn't even like Supernatural. It started just before it yeah. changed name. I zombie didn't start for years no, it after. it was only on the CW. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries Volume 3 collection. The Fellspire Chronicles Book 1. By Philip Keddy Johnson and Ricardo this Federici. Must... That's an the interesting name, yeah. Yeah, no, this is the Last God stuff. Ah. Uh, so. I mean, I can't say that I don't like that creative team, because I do, mm-hmm. but, you know. Uh, speaking of those Golden Age omnibuses, Wonder Woman, the Golden Age omnibus, Volume 5. So not as far as Batman, but still 
going along. She's driving a Monopoly car. She is. She's got like a little yeah. cart thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's uh it's something. What's what's that got here? It's got Wonder Woman thirty five to forty seven and Sensation <sighs> Comics ninety to one hundred and four. Uh, and they're also releasing Wonder Woman the Silver Age Omnibus mm-hmm. Volume Two, uh, which has got. Wonder Woman 124 to 149. So there's no Sensation Comics anymore. It's just... uh... So what's actually interesting about that is that uh, they're doing the Silver Age before they finish the Golden Age. And I'm sure they've done the same with Batman and Superman, but I've just not noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, But... uh, Which, don't get me wrong, I think the Silver Age is a lot more appealing. The Golden Age is a tough read. It's a tough pain because of of cultural differences. Cultural differences? I also just don't think they're... Like... The arts of its time, the ratings of its time, like forgetting even just problematic yeah. attitudes towards certain things, just the but rating styles weird. That was that was my more yeah. cultural change too, is that comics were written differently. You know, yeah. it was kind of Stan Lee when you talk about the Silver Age, right? The Stan Lee method kind of upended that old style. Because I I would love to go back and read some old uh, Captain America, but I've always been afraid. So I'm going to read that Simon Kirby stuff, but I'm just afraid it's going to feel like old-timey and not in a good way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so they still have a lot to go because if that is, it ends at 47 at the Golden Age, mm-hmm. right? So... It depends how many, how much Sensation Comics runs for because if, if at any point in that ends and uh, it's just Wonder Woman, it'll go much quicker. Yeah, because then it says here that it's uh, 124 to 149 in the Silver Age for Volume 2, so... You you'd think that if the first Silver Age omnibus was roughly the same amount, they only got to have like one more of the Golden Age uh, ready to go. So uh, uh, very possibly. Mm-hmm. You've got me, me doing math. You've got me. You got me curious. I'm just going to go. Yeah. Uh, look. What are we go check. One Silver Age omnibus. Let's have a look here. What's that got in that? That's ninety-eight to one, two, three. So then, yeah. So maybe, so, depending on the sensation as well, they could have two. They could have two still of the golden age to go. I'd say, I would say it's at least two, but it could be as many as four if sensation is running the entire right. time. Maybe even yeah. five at a push. But uh, God, so many comics before even what you know we recognize is, is canon. I know, I know. It's it's, it's nuts. Uh, but hey, everything should be available, even if I never am going I, to read any of the Golden yeah. Age stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, cool. All right, with all that out of the way, we can get started uh, working through the books from this mm-hmm. week. So we're going to start with Titans, issue one, Tom Taylor writing, Nicholas Scott on the art, uh, obviously spinning out somewhat from Taylor's Nightwing book. Although, mm-hmm. as worth mentioning, this issue does not in any way reference the story that they've had in nightwing no it definitely reads completely as a contained issue one if you haven't been reading mm-hmm. nightwing which is good so that's uh that's that um so yeah but a lot of this is setting up the status quo it's the titans moving into their their new headquarters in bloodhaven and obviously the framing device is wally having been shot and seemingly dying uh yep. by the end of the episode or the end of the issue which obviously it's a comic book don't worry, mm-hmm. right? There's no way this is just Wally's death. In fact, it's, I saw it, someone asked Taylor, like, did you have to kill off Wally? And he's like, just come back after issue two and talk to me. Who said he's dead? I right? know. He's, he's, it's like a Princess Bride. He's he's half dead. 
Uh, <laughs> it's just it's one of those things. So you know, he's he, he knows he's dying at the start of the issue. So he yeah. goes and says goodbye to his family, and then goes to the treadmill to try and do something. Mm-hmm. But you know, then we spend a lot of time just setting up the status quo. Uh, mm-hmm. He really hits the uh, the the Gar and Raven relationship this issue. Yep. Where she's uh, sort of caring for him when he's having these nightmares, mm-hmm. and they're sleeping in the same bed together. That becomes a plot point later when they're like, "Hey, we gave you both rooms, but you might not right. need them." And uh, they end up kissing in front of everyone, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Raven's showing signs of affection. This is uncomfortable." Yeah, <laughs> what, what do we do? Yeah. Well, and also I like the fact that he he because of the trauma and everything that he's come through, um, he's he's sleep changing. So he you know. He changed into a mouse while while asleep, and you know him and Raven have to get through that. So I do like that it's continuing some of those threads for Gar. Yeah, absolutely, and it's also the you know it's setting up this idea that you know the Justice League isn't there right now, mm-hmm. and the Titans are having to fill those shoes. So it's it's sort of you know it's just doing a job of setting that up and making it feel like they have mm-hmm. to be the big deal now. Uh, there is a bit of action, of course. They get called to a a nuclear power plant. Which <laughs> uh, Titano is Ugh. smashing up. So we get this big sequence where Gar turns into a kaiju to fight Titano. Yeah, it's which uh, it's, it, yeah, it's based off of a picture that Corey showed him of uh, uh, like the apex predator on Tamarin. So, which is a, a nice excuse for Gar to turn into a big monster because we don't see that too often. It's, it's your fun big action set piece because obviously the issue isn't going to do too many heavy like mm-hmm. plot action stuff so this is kind of just like a standalone thing yep. but the big thing is that at the end of it peacemaker shows up and is like these titans are going to be a problem he's talking to amanda waller and he's like they're not playing ball they're refusing to like be enlisted by the government and they're all basically yep. like uh no we serve the entire world not one nation and then like multiple of them point out i'm from another planet i'm from another dimension uh-huh. <laughs> like I'm from a, an island, yeah. I'm from an, uh, an island country that's different than the US. So, so yeah, they're, they're not playing ball with that. So, uh, clearly Peacemaker and Waller are going to be getting in the way. I do like the idea of Peacemaker being this, well, I wouldn't say villain. He's definitely a antagonist that's been working through, you know, uh, different DC books. I feel it. So... Is it maybe it's just maybe I'm wrong here? Maybe he is like chipped like the rest of the Suicide Squad, but mm-hmm. it kind of feels like he's like working for Waller, like mm-hmm. by choice, or at, yeah. the, or at the very least he believes in what she's doing. So he's like, yeah. he's not he's he's not doing everything against his will constantly. I guess no. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I like that that he's showing up as as this force that's in their way without it having to be just a villain, and we can just see what makes him, you know peacemaker what makes him different than than our heroes yeah right well uh, still technically being on the same side and also notably tempest decides not to uh join the team which, which he's not like part of the new teen titans lineup right no but he's a you know not the new teen titans but he's the original yeah i know that OGs. but he's he's not part yeah. of this lineup so he would actually mm-hmm. feel kind of out of place with this group right but i, I do like how taylor handled that with in the you know and the things that we've seen from Taylor is he's gotten more comfortable as a writer with uh, Tempest telling him, like, well, no, I I serve, like, 71% of the, the planet. Like, you guys go back to your 29%. Uh, I, I have more work to do. So I, I did kind of like that. He was a little bit standoffish, 
you know, and, and I'm sure if they ever need him, he'll, he'll answer the call. But he has more important things to do than, than hang out with his old, uh, you know, childhood friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I, I think uh, it was. I just wasn't expecting it. Like, I, I didn't even yeah. feel the need to address it because no one expected <laughs> Tempest to be part of the group. So, is it that 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 they're leaning so far on the uh, ecological kind of stuff, like with Titano and the um, the potential meltdown? The, yeah, the nuclear meltdown and all this other stuff. I'm sure Tempest. This is set up for. Well, yeah. Something. Well, that's what I was about to say is that the fact that he's even including him feels more like a story setup thing than it does anything. Because no one, ex- no one was asking like, why is Tempest not here. This is right. purely setting up potential story down the line that he's going to tackle. Yeah. So uh, that makes uh, a decent amount of sense. Uh, and, you know, the, sto- the story is well constructed enough because when they get back to Titan's Tower and they see some blood on the floor, we know who it is because we've already had it established to us that Wally's right. been hurt and that he's bleeding. So. We get this kind of build because we know that he's in trouble, that he could be dead, that there's a risk that he might be dead, mm-hmm. and they're following the blood trail. So it does a natural sort of build up a suspense of like, oh shit, like what are they going to find when they actually get to him? And sure enough, he's lying there on the ground and all the computer screens say solve it. So we, we get yep. kind of like a, we have to solve the murder of Wally West thing at the end of the issue. Now, again, he's going to be alive by the end of the next issue. He's not dead. Yeah. I'm going to say it right now. I'm, yeah, I'm not worried about Wally. <laughs> Uh, I'm worried about his friends thinking that he's dead, though. Like, mm. th- this is going to hit Dick, right? So if, if the mission of whoever... Because they said that um, they must have snuck up on, on Wally and shot him from point blank, right? Like, Well, it wasn't them. It was Wally who said that. It, yeah. Because okay. Wally, Wally said that. that's how he'd get hit, because he would, right. he would, you know, he would dodge it, he'd face through right. it. But because he was shot point blank from behind, he didn't uh-huh. have the time. The time. To, yeah. Right. So... Um, that that being a staple, you know, I feel like this is whoever it is. It's meant to take the Titans off their game, you know. Um, so I have no guesses though, because it'd be kind of. I don't think Deathstroke. I think we're we're past that story, you know. Uh, for uh, now, yeah. Well, it, it does say so, Brother Blood next time at the yeah. bottom, so you know we'll see if he's getting mm-hmm. to do with it. But right. Um, it, no, I think it's a really strong issue one because it sets up the status quo of the characters and I think it it's smart to feel like it's not just like even though Dick's the leader I think it would be maybe a little bit of a a bad choice to like focus on him primarily for issue one mm-hmm. because he's already you know we've already got a Nightwing book that Taylor's already written it'd feel kind of weird right. if this was just Nightwing and friends but by focusing on the emotional core between Raven and Beast Boy Mm-hmm. That says, okay, these two is part of an ensemble, and we're focusing on these two for the emotional side this issue, and we're focusing on Wally for the big plot mystery this issue. And yeah, we get a couple yeah. of nice moments of the others as well, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, Cyborg mm-hmm. goes in and stops the, the meltdown from happening. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But it makes it very clear in this first issue that this is an ensemble with all these characters, it's... and that it's not just Nightwing's book with some friends also being there for action scenes. Right. It feels very much like a team book. Yeah. You know, and I haven't read, like, a team book like this in, in a while. Because uh, Justice League's been gone for a minute, so... Uh, and and it, it feels nice that everything's balanced. And Justice League was a bit... You know, before it was gone, it was it was, it was a, a bit of a rough place. Yeah, it was a roller coaster for sure. More valleys than peaks. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, so. But, but yeah, so having this team book back, and it, it's kind of splitting between them, you know. And it made for a good read, too, because we had to see each of them do their own thing. Uh, you know, and act like a team. So, 
but yeah, I mean, at, at this point, we're we're spoiled by Tom Taylor, and then we get art by Nicola Scott too, which all of the Titans look great. Uh, I really like her her Raven, because um, Raven's not a character I'm particularly tied to, you know, not like like uh, Nightwing and Starfire, but so to see this kind of take on her, where she's not as gothy, right? Like there's some of those vibes, but her red hair is really popping, you know, uh, under the hood. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, the, the necklace got art is is you know it's, it's very bright and clean. Uh, like Nicholas Scott's art always is. It's very expressive. Like no one draws a character smelling quite like Nicholas mm-hmm. Scott does. Uh, you could almost like you know when you see Donna Troy smelling here, it's hard not to think of her Wonder Woman art. Yeah. Uh, when you see that, because it, it just makes you think of it instantly. So now, nah, but the kaiju stuff was 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 a lot of fun. So good. Yeah. That, yeah. Again, anytime I get Titano in a book. I'm happy. Well, no, but I specifically mean the art, though. I'm talking about the art no, here. No, no, I know that. Yeah. But so, and then get to see Nicola Scott drawing Titano on top of it. Like, come on. Yeah, I know. I, like, I think all those big moments land, but I think the bigger thing is that all the characters feel really pleasant to be around when Nicola Scott's drawing them. Like, mm-hmm. everything's very friendly. It feels like, and not to say that there's no, you know, risk. like I said, the tension does ramp up at the end when they're following the blood trail. But mm-hmm. I think because it's so happy and good feelings up until that point, it feels like darker. Like, oh no, I don't want any of these nice characters to have to go through something traumatic. But then that evil man Tom Taylor is going to put them through something traumatic. Yes. <laughs> I think that's, and I mean that in the best possible way. So, right. Uh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a really good issue. One mm-hmm. uh, sets up a team, sets up the status quo of like them moving into their new building that they're replacing the Justice League, sets up some big story beats, and uh, big, I think. More than anything, I like that it takes the time to give the uh, the characters like their, you know, like g- giving mm-hmm. this relationship a sort of blossoming here and setting up that we're going to be doing the interpersonal stuff with them as well mm-hmm. as everything else. I think it's a really good, it's just a promise from the first issue, which isn't surprising given that Taylor's been doing very well with that in Nightwing, but uh, it's nice to see it here all the same. So, uh, yeah. Uh, all right, what are you uh, rating Titans? Do I? I'll go with a solid nine. Um. Ah, I'll go eight point five. I'm not. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to quite hit it with the go. nine. Uh, but I don't think it's a really great first issue. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll uh we'll see where that goes next time. Um, Batman: The Brave and the Bold issue one. Um. Notably, though, we're only going to be looking at the Tom King and Mitch Gerrard story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you know what the funny thing about this is? Is that I should have been excited for this, but something about it being a story in an anthology book kind of made me not think about it. Or, like, I knew I was going to read it, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But something, yeah. ab- something about that distinction made me not think about it in the same way that I do when I'm building up to, like, a Danger Street issue one or a mm-hmm. Strange Adventures issue one or whatever it is. And. When I opened it and I looked at the first page, I went, oh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> why, why have I not yeah. been thinking about this? Because <laughs> this, this yep. looks like it's going to be fantastic. And not to spoil anything, but it was fantastic. So I have not felt this much tension through a comic in a very long time. Ju- like, it's a sense of dread as the story keeps going. Every, uh, every time someone says, why are we still using the Joker? Because you read an issue like this, and this is why you still use the and- Joker. <laughs> but what I love here is that it's definitely less is more, right? 
Like most of Joker's panels are are black with white text on them. Well, I mean, specifically, it's like an old silent movie. It's like the dialogue yeah. in an old silent movie when it comes up on the screen. That's what it's meant uh, to look like. Right. And so, like, I don't feel like we get overexposed of the Joker here. You know? No, he's so, he, I, he's a threat that the characters in the story don't understand yet, so right. no one knows the fear. And this, and this is specifically set during year one. They tell you that on the first page, yeah, right? Uh, just after, well... During year one, in terms of the time frame, but I think if you're yes. saying if you're comparing, not, not the story. Yeah, I it's, should, it's, yeah, it's set after the story of year one, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's set during the first year of Batman. If that makes and, sense. And yeah. so, the Gotham PD is still getting used to the idea of these costumed, you know, bad guys, and so just the idea of Joker, like no one has really encountered him yet. No. And so there, there's this sense of like again, like I said earlier, there's a sense of dread. And there's this high tension throughout. And like, I was sitting here reading it and getting ready for the show. And I lost track of time. Like, I got very wrapped up in this one. Oh, it was so easy to get sucked out of the story in this one. Yep. It, it's, um, you know, obviously you have Gordon and some police going to this guy's house. And it doesn't reveal exactly why they're there at first. But as the scenes, as it comes back to those scenes and they talk about it, you realize, oh, this is a new, t- this is basically this, this version, this, this, Story's version of Batman issue one, where the Joker says, "I'm going to kill this guy at midnight," and that was in the Dark Knight as well, to an extent. You know, yep. it wasn't midnight in the, the movie, but it was a similar idea. Right. And they're here to try and protect him, and they're like, "Hey, the last time this Joker called in and said something, it wasn't real." And they even referenced that he was going to poison the reservoir, but yep. it didn't happen. So that's like a direct connection to the end of year one. Uh, but like, yeah, we can't really believe this is true. But obviously, if you know any version of that like original this is the joker's first appearance story mm-hmm. like you're like this guy is going to die uh probably by poison as soon yep. as it hits midnight and sure enough that's eventually what happens but uh-huh. the way it ramps up to that where they're not really taking it seriously they think this is a waste of time it's all excellent yep. it's all good stuff uh so well, you yeah, yeah. You go. i was gonna say and it's it's the it's gordon and the police reacting because they're like okay we'll go check the diamond and they're like well the it's not even a diamond. You could scratch it with glass. It's a piece of glass. You scratch it with your finger. And then they look over and the dude's on the ground. Yeah. And well, he's and he's bleeding. And then he ends up with a smile. And just the way that Gordon reacts and goes, why is he smiling? That was, oh my God, that hit. Well, yeah, but the thing you left out there is that it's supposed to be a real diamond. Like part of the threat was that the diamond would be stolen. Mm-hmm. And then the reveal is that it's already been stolen and replaced right. with this fake one. Uh and yeah, like that happens, and then the guy dies. And like you say, there's this like "why is he smiling?" moment with the with yeah. Gordon sort of like, like just crawling back in and, fear and being like, "What the hell?" Right. And just knowing everything Joker puts Gordon through over the years, too, and this is his first taste of him. Uh, it's just like it was a it was a holy cow moment for sure. Yeah, and there's so much atmosphere in the art. Like it's like mm-hmm. the entire book is like in pouring rain. There's just rain. Yeah constantly there's rain and then when it shifts to the room it, it goes because the rain's very like cold right it's using a lot of blues and greens and that type of stuff and then when it shifts to the rooms everything is warm like even where, where they're waiting with the with the diamond guy um and yeah garrett's is really really playing with the colors here yeah and you know when it <clears throat> jumps to what batman's up to on this night because batman's just chasing down a criminal who shot someone uh his, his wife for the sounds of it. his wife during a domestic dispute and and just, I always love too when when King writes cussing because like you, I try to figure out what words they're trying to say. King doesn't really care; he just kind of puts 
you know, yeah, I, I, has the letter put stuff through, it, but it's still effective nonetheless. Yeah, the actual number of symbols doesn't matter. I just basically no. put in an F bomb or the word uh -huh. shit, whatever, yeah. whatever sounds right in the context of the sentence. Basically. But on this one, you just get the vibe where that's all this guy's doing. He's oh, yeah. in, a, he's... in a full panic. <laughs> You know, he's um, he's running on the train tracks in this train uh -huh. yard, and he's shooting back to bat. And Batman, you know, they're, they're treating Batman like this force of nature here, where he's just this yep. silhouette coming after him. Uh, -huh. uh it's guards and stuff, and the guy like you know falls and hurts his leg, and he's like he's on the tracks, and this train's coming, and he's begging Batman to like save him. And obviously, we know Batman's not going to let him die. But this right. guy doesn't know that. This is like Batman's just he's new on the scene. Everyone thinks he's right. scary. You know? Well, he's yelling at him like, you know, like, oh, you think you're big and scary? I'm from Gotham. You ain't nothing. And uh, he's trying to big dog Batman. And Batman is still just taking his time, you know, uh, almost Michael Myers-esque as he's getting over to him as it's he's falling. A, it's like he's intro in the newer, newer movie where he just walks yeah. out the shadows with the footsteps. Yeah. Like the tonk, 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 tonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy's laying on the railroad tracks because his knees twisted or his ankles twisted or whatever. And then you start to see the light from the train. And we get the we like the like the sound of the train whistle, um, like the woo woo, and man again the tension like in the pacing, and these two guys like really know each other well. And uh, it's, it, yeah, and, and King Garrett's. one of my favorite moments of the whole issue is when we come back to the scene later and the train actually goes you know, like yeah. he, Batman either pushes him or the guy just gets free himself, but the right. train is like coming between them. And you get those yeah. horizontal panels, and it's the trains going past, and you get the sound mm -hmm. effect the entire time of the yep. of the ch -ch 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 -ch, right, uh -huh. and you just see Batman between the cars as it's going past. Like, talk about like pacing and atmosphere in a mm -hmm. scene, and just this guy looking back and seeing Batman, and they also just waiting patiently to come and get him before he yep. chases him again. Like, it's it's so good stuff. And the guy's like saying, "I deserve justice." You know, I defended myself. My wife was going to kill me. Uh, I deserve justice, and then the full page spread of Batman just kick him in the face and saying, "Yes, right. you do." Yeah. <laughs> yep. like, Boot to the face. Boom. It's so, like, it's wonderful stuff, and mm -hmm. that is before we even get to the the Joker subplot of the the issue, which <sighs> is so this dad's like frantically calling because his daughter's went missing, and yep. we then see this daughter just in the park with her umbrella in the rain. And this is what you were saying earlier, the, the silent movie captions mm -hmm. of the, that's what the Joker's dialogue up until we see him uh, is all just in these silent movie captions. And yeah. it comes back later as well. But that's like, yeah. at first, because it takes you a second where she's talking to someone and it's that classic, like, kid talking to a stranger. They don't know they're in danger, mm -hmm. but they should know that they should be terrified. It's Yeah. And the fact that there's a balloon, I'm sure there's parallels to it. And I'm mm. sure that's on on you know the clown in a balloon yeah and, i was gonna say and, it, joker's a way better character than pennywise that well, would be i mean yeah but i'm just saying like uh, there's the little kid that doesn't like you said the little kid kid doesn't realize they're in danger and they're yeah. just talking about everything to this stranger because they have a misplaced sense of trust um and it's when she gets when she she's rambling all these questions to him and he's giving the answers but when she says you know why is your skin white like that and he starts talking about how he, you know, fell into acid and, you know, did it hurt and all this. And it's just, it's so creepy. It made my skin crawl reading his answers because I know well, he's talking to a kid. Yeah, he's asking, do you want to hear a joke? And she's like, just mm -hmm. like, oh, is it about a dinosaur? I like dinosaur jokes. Yep. And whatever. Like, it's all very innocent and they are so good here. And are like, just, their eyes are wide. She's excited yep. to talk to this weird guy. But I think the effect that this silent movie style dialogue has, where it's these just black panels with... Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, the, like the classic fawn of of her talking back. Mm-hmm. I think what it does in, in in effect is that it 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 lets you know that in the way like to to get a little uh, I don't know uh, artsy here in my my yeah. analysis. Hoity toity, right? But I think it lets you know that Joker as a force is something that's coming into this world that feels like. You know, we always talk about how Batman is theatrical, right? It, and he put right. he puts on this theatrical idea to have a presence to like scare mm-hmm. people, whatever. And this idea that film when it entered into the world was this new thing. It was this new like medium. It was this thing that people didn't quite understand mm-hmm. at first. And it was this new spectacle. I think the idea of introducing the Joker here with these silent movie style captions. It's almost like he is something out of a movie that this kid would never expect to be a real danger because, oh, he looks right. like a movie character or or the world's not ready for someone. Like, we think Batman's theatrical. Joker's out of a horror movie it's, and you're not prepared for, like, how much right. he's going to change this world. It's it's a different kind of theatrical. Batman's almost, like, stage theatrical. And then Joker is, like, one-upping that to where it's it's not just the stage. It is, it's film. Uh, and there's going to be some, you know, broken expectations here. Because um, she even she even asked about him being a clown, you know? Yeah. And you get that full page spread where you finally see him, you know, after a couple of pages. And he's sitting on the, the bench in the rain holding <sighs> the purple balloon. And she's just sitting there talking to him. And, you know, you're, you're, you're scared. And you get that full page, yep. uh, you know, silent movie screen mm-hmm. where it just says, I also have a knife, but you can't have it yet. And you like... <laughs> like mm, and, and, it, and the yeah. sa- in the same way that that Riddler, you know, one shot yes. was phenomenal and did so much to make the Riddler scary. This is doing it for Joker, but Joker arguably is the one that's supposed to be even scarier because he's this right. like unpredictable psychopath. Right. With with Riddler, what makes him scary is he's smarter than you and he knows it. Yes. Right. Like he's gonna he's gonna trick you. Joker is just like. I hate saying it like that as a force of nature, but he's an equal force of nature as Batman is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so it's, it's along the same lines. They both instill the same kind of fear, but for different reasons with Joker's very much the unknown. Like when Batman's rushing at you, you're like, Oh, I'm catching a beaten. When Joker's rushing at you, he could literally do anything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the knife line made by skin crawl for real. Like I'm going to have to hit them up on Twitter. Like, thanks for the nightmare. You do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and there's even a little bit of that, um, you know, Dark Knight style Joker where he's talking about his accident. He says he looks back on it and laugh. I, it was hard not to think about, uh, you know, now I see the bright side. Now I'm always smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, yep. obviously they're both classic Joker examples, but yeah, um, you know, and that's where you get the Tom King art. It was where you see Joker has drawn things and, on his, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's what we're seeing, but. Um, we didn't even mention there's the part of like Bruce Wayne's throwing a party at the manor, mm-hmm. and he's out being Batman whilst this this rich guy's wanting to talk to him. Um, who I get has mob ties from the way that he's talking. Yeah, about that, Bruce that, and yeah, everything you know. he set up here about wanting to speak to Bruce, all felt like plot yeah. set up that will be relevant uh, yeah. down the line. But what's so good about it is that it was basically just establishing this as the early days of Batman, where he's juggling the Bruce Wayne persona a little bit, and yeah. it. it, it but it, it like it's setting up plot stuff for later without feeling like it's just doing exposition, which right. uh, you know, well, is really nice. You know, so the guy has to talk to to Bruce, and then Alfred covers for him. Is like, oh, he's had a reaction to the shrimp. He's, you know, he's away up in the restroom, and the guy's, you know, this, you know, I'm thinking like quick talking type. 
He's like, oh, no, he drank too much. He's a lightweight. You know, he can't handle the Prince of Gotham and all this stuff. This guy doesn't know that Batman just chased down a dude and kicked the, you know, the crap out of him at a train track. You know, yeah. so uh, and then when Bruce does show up and just kind of disarms this guy with with words about, you know, you know, Alfred's Alfred knows how to protect me. It's also a very strong like break in tension because it goes mm -hmm. from the guy dying at the garden you know right. scene to this yeah. party and it's basically like a break in the tension because you're seeing like oh here's all the hoity-toity in gotham at bruce's party mm -hmm. in the manor and how yeah. separate they feel they don't care about the rest of this world that's going on right. you know so right. oh, well it is it's kind of that scene in the dark knight again where right before the joker shows up at the, the party um with rachel and harvey you know, they're all just kind of there. Yeah, it's almost like they're not. The reason why we're seeing this happy party mm -hmm. is because they're not prepared for how their yeah. world's even going to change because of the Joker. Right. Uh, right. So, some interesting. And then obviously, the big climax of the the Joker stuff is he takes the girl home to her, her scared dad, who's been looking mm -hmm. for her and phoning the police. And you know, she's happy. He's happy to see her. And she's like, "Oh, I'm just happy you're safe." And she's trying to say, "No, this man found me. He calls himself Joker, and he brought me back to you." And the guy tries to shake his hand, and Joker just pulls out his knife and stabs him in front of his child. It's, like, so dark <sighs> and vicious. Yeah. And it does this thing where earlier on, when he was offering the balloon to the little girl, uh, she talked about how she had a balloon before, but she let go of it, and it went uh -huh. all the way up into the sky. Her and her dad watched it, you know, watched the sky eat it, basically. Yeah, and it disappeared. Yeah. And he made her promise to not let go, and she promised that, you know, she wouldn't let that happen again. She's learned, you know, her lesson. She'll never mm -hmm. let that happen again. But of course, seeing her dad be murdered and the blood dripping from the knife, uh, she lets go of the balloon. So the end of the issue, and it is a beautiful final page, is the balloon mm -hmm. just going up to the sky as we get just the uh, the silent movie panel sort of interspersed saying, ha, 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 ha. And as the balloon disappears in the final panel, the bat signal comes on in the sky. Like, Oof. perfection. So Absolute, yeah. per like the storytelling... Like, I just, sometimes I read a comic like this and I'm like, why are so many comics just all right? <laughs> like, why, why isn't there more doing stuff like this? Cause this I, I get it and it reminded us of our conversation last week where I said, like, I'm okay. I like when a comic is just okay. Like, it makes me um, excited to read it, like The Flash or whatever. Yeah. And because then it makes, for me, it makes this feel that much better. Right? Like, sure, this sure. Is, they can't all be special. Is, I know. But... Right. This, I'm reading it and I am so tired of Joker. I'll be the first, you know, Joker decrier. And I was one of those people when this was announced, I was like, oh, come on. But then, like, I trust Garrett when, when he talks because I follow him on social media. And he's like, look, I get it. People are tired of Joker. I am tired of Joker. But just read this before you guys have an opinion, please. We're really on working something very scary. And he kept saying scary, right? And they, they did it because, you know joker in this because i took it that he he stabbed the little girl and that's why she let go of the balloon too you know um but maybe i just think that joker is that much more of a monster than than uh the art suggested right um but... i'm looking at it now i never thought he stabbed her um mm -hmm. I, I still like if you if, if it reveals next issue that he did like i wouldn't say it feels out of place mm -hmm. but I didn't get that impression from that page that he did stab her. Right. I, if anything, right. I think the Joker is more evil than that, and that he's laughing that this girl is watching her dead right. dad kind of thing. Right. But, you know, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he did stab her either. No, and that's what I'm saying. So the art to me 
I interpret it that he also killed the little girl because he's that much a monster, but it's, you know, it could be, it could just be revealed that, no, now she doesn't have a dad, and that's the joke. Yeah. You know? Also, that final page, you know, the, the silent movie panels, are, it's a nine-panel mm-hmm. grid, right? And it's the, you know, yep. the up, down, left, and right that are the, the silent movie panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start to deteriorate as if the film's breaking down, so the last yeah. one's really distorted and, like, uh, as if it's, like, burning out. And that's almost like, oh, he's not just a movie character anymore. Now he's in the real world. Like he's him, jumped, yeah. Yeah. Him stabbing that dad is him coming out of the real world, right. which is a, a, a fascinating yeah. uh, little bit of subtext. Uh, it's honestly that this was wonderful. Like, I, I think you know, part of me always likes the idea that you have like this great sort of lineage of like good Batman stories that you can give to someone. And say, okay, you start with year one, and typically mm-hmm. after that, you can read Batman, the Monster Men, and Batman uh, versus the the Mad Monk, right, which are set soon after year one. Yeah. And then I'd say go to Long Halloween. Like, it thrills me with the idea that I can say to someone, oh, here's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Batman Who Laughs, or Batman The Man Who Laughs, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Ed Brubaker version of the first Joker story, was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. This might supersede it by the time it's done, if it keeps up this quality, where I'll say, no, yeah. no, this is what you read after year one. This is how Joker enters the picture. Right. Uh, and and well, by my sort of that- headcanon now. Yeah, that's why the always the thing that resonated me with uh, from Batman Begins with with Joker and Batman was at the end where the Joker card's revealed, and then uh, Gordon gives him that speech on escalation, mm. you know, and here's now that escalation in comic book form, right? Batman shows up, and now Joker has showed and, up, and and that that's know. maybe the the tricky thing about doing the story of like the first time the Joker really mm-hmm. like does stuff in Gotham is that. You are competing with, like, Ed Brubaker did a version, you're competing with the Golden mm-hmm. Age stuff, obviously. You're competing with stuff like The Dark Knight, because especially since Batman Begins is very much the year one of that movie franchise, mm-hmm. so that means that Dark Knight is effectively what this is kind of, right. you know, also doing its own version of. Um, but, of course, it's a comic book, it's more focused, it doesn't have to mm-hmm. set up, you know, all the Two-Faced stuff, it doesn't have to do all these other things. Right. Um, and Batman's presence in this is so atmospheric and brooding, and but by the time you get to the end of the story, Joker's way scarier in a very different way, uh, and that signal coming out at the end with the balloon going out of the sky is just yeah, uh, chef's kiss, just yep, 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 yep. Uh, and the the film roll. I didn't even realize that when I read it, the film deterioration, mm. right? Because I got so so not distracted, but I focused so much on the bat signal with the balloon that. You know, so again, those are two both both ways to you know uh, end this story. You know, with a yeah. bang. And they are. I mean, we talked about the rain and the colors and how it separates each scene with different mm-hmm. color tones. But then, even just in the faces, obviously they're very expressive. The the smiling mm-hmm. of the little girl, the evil looks on Joker, the silhouette stuff with Batman. But the faces as well, like even. Like the smarmy rich guy that's looking for Bruce at the party, mm-hmm. he's got such a good sneer. And there's one panel where he's kind of like. He's doing like, a, like like he's got his tongue like in front mm-hmm. of his upper teeth, kind of, and you sort of get just the 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 tone of what he's saying yeah. from the art. It's so good, and even Alfred like raising an eyebrow in one one panel to be like mm-hmm. be smarmy Alfred, but without even uttering a single line of dialogue. It's right, like the the art is absolutely gorgeous, and it tells the story so effectively. Um, like this, I, <laughs> like this is worth the eight dollars just to read this story. And then read the rest if you want. I, like whatever, but it's worth yeah. it for this story. I mean, I want to go and read the bat or the Superman story, right? But sure, like, sure. 
yeah um I, i'm not saying don't like I'm, yeah. by all means like go for but it like, but like after after this it's kind of like okay well the 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 gauntlet's been thrown how do you follow this i'm curious you know? though because if this is if this is only three parts then mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a similar length to that riddler one shot because that riddler yeah. one shot was about 60 70 pages yeah so this will be effectively just maybe a few like maybe 10 or 20 pages longer by the time it's yeah. done so uh interesting so yeah did I mean, we get a title for this story that's a good question uh yeah there's a title in the, the opening uh okay. table of contents yeah okay i didn't notice it I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cycling back i should, I should have probably Me too. I, I should have probably it's just race. went the the quick way but whatever the uh, winning card there you go the winning card Oof, that's also that's a great title. Mm. So, yeah, I I can't praise it honestly. I can't praise it enough. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's whatever. For some reason, writers named Tom do very well in our our reviews. Well, and I think that DC kind of lets them do what they want at this point, right? Like, you know, no one needed another Joker story, but when Tom King goes, "Hey, me and Garrett want to do a Joker story," you know. Um, I think they're just like, okay, there's enough trust in him. And same with Tom Taylor probably wanting to do Titans. Like, I'm sure they want to do a Titans book, right? DC wants to be publishing one of those. But when Tom Taylor comes to you with, like, I want to spend it out of Nightwing, I feel like they have enough goodwill built up at the company that you just trust them to let them do what they need to. So. Yeah. Uh, that's a phenomenal, uh, exceptional art, exceptional build to the Joker as a character. Yep. Um, exceptional pacing uh, and serialized storytelling I really can't uh, praise it enough so mm-hmm. uh, Matt what are you giving uh, not, not the whole book obviously because we're not right. look at the mm-hmm. rest but just you know that's Brave and the Bold story uh, part one what are you giving it I'm, I'm going to do it I'm going to give it a 10 I am also going to give it a 10 yeah you can't I can't find fault with anything in the story it, I really can't it, so it, it's basically perfect so uh, all right, Superman issue four. Joshua Ellison writing with Jamal Campbell and Nick Dragotta on the art. Yes, Matt, I see you smiling over there. What are you smiling at? Just, just because um, it it went from uh, so so high to so so middling. Because <laughs> like I I want to like this book more, but I feel like this is a half a chapter. I feel like like stuff happens in this one, but the stuff that I'm really invested in. You know, happens. It's kind of bookended with Silver Banshee. Well, so my my problem isn't that at all. Like I, like my problem with the first three issues is that it felt like it should have been a six issue story that was squeezed into three, mm-hmm. and nothing felt like it had the weight it should have. Because I like the setup of the city full of parasites. Like I thought that was a fun, yeah. creepy story. But then they just wrapped up super quick, and I felt like we got we got nothing out of it. Um, I do like Silver Banshee. I like the start and the end with setting her up. Um. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is all right so far. I also like that Dr. Farm's henchmen have these, like, pill heads, which yeah. reminded me of, like, Grant Morrison Doom Patrol, basically. Okay. It was giving me that kind of vibe. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm kind of into this. Where this book lost me, the concept where this book lost me, is young Lex Luthor being a vigilante with a red or a green and purple outfit on, and I'm just like, I hate this. What are you doing, Williamson? No. So we can infer, like, because even even Superman's like, he doesn't fully believe Luther in this. Mm-hmm. But then when he finds the lair after Lex tells him the origin story, I kind of took this too as this is a narcissist telling you how things went down. 
So you can only believe a little bit of it. Uh, do you think that's what's going to be, or do we think Williamson fully just had Lex become a green and purple vigilante, taking out Doctor Farm and Mister Whatever? I think. I think the fact that I really am not surprised <clears throat> if this is just literally what's supposed to have happened. Yeah. Tells me tells you all you need to know about how I feel about Williamson's writing right now, <laughs> mm. right? I think that's because I liked some of the stuff at the start. I liked the setting up a silver banshee, right? And obviously the ultimate reveal that uh, she's dating Jimmy. That's kind of funny, right? right? I, I like that. Yeah, right. That's cool. Um, I actually really like the scene with Lex in the prison where the guy's like making fun of Superman and saying Batman's better, and how Lex takes that personally that he triggers a nut allergy. Uh-huh. I I thought that was really fun because. Like you could read it as he's sticking up for his guy, but I also, but I kind of like read it a bit more than that and said, no, no, Superman's beat Lex multiple times, and this guy's saying Superman's like a dweeb and like not yeah. a big a deal. Like I took this more as Lex being like, no, he's beating me. How dare you insult him? He's proved yeah. he's proved he's capable. Damn it! <laughs> it's it's the narcissism yeah. again. It's it's Lex going like, well, if he thinks Superman's a loser, what does that make me? So. I like yeah. I liked all that stuff, but once yeah. Lex starts telling his story about how he first came to Metropolis and he sees these you know homeless people being like kidnapped and taken or coerced by this Doctor Farm, and he shows up with this green and purple outfit with a big L, which is funny on its own. He's got a massive L, which you know, Lex. I get that it's your name, but it also usually means loser. If someone's got an L, it means loser. Okay. Um, like, he's got these like goggles oh, on, like he's an anime yeah. character. I just, yeah. oh. <laughs> I hate it. I, hate again, it. I don't mind. I don't mind in certain circumstances. This though, him just coming to and, and getting a, a, adjusted to Metropolis and seeing all this and jumping in, and these are the villains from the past. It's not even people like that he met as Lex, like the Lex Luthor we know, the business guy. You know, it's oh, this is you know. Lex year one stuff. No, do you know what this is? This is this is the same sort of shit I don't like with characters like Ghostmaker, except Lex himself now has this weird vigilante right. past before he became Lex Luthor that we yeah. know. I just don't right. like that. I don't like squeezing that because in. It feels wrong. It feels like it goes against what everything what I think about Lex Luthor. Turn- when he says this is my city, I was a hero. I always take that as he has this inflated self worth of like he was going to be the person to save Metropolis through. LexCore or, you know, Luther or mm. whatever, whatever, LexCore, right? right? Uh, and then Superman shows up and actually starts saving people through heroism and stuff. And he doesn't like that, takes the spotlight away. Him actually saving people, <laughs> being an actual hero, undercuts that mentality. Yeah. Completely. Like, Lex should never even think about having, like, him having the, the, the purple and green armor that comes later. Yeah. Kind of in the same way that a lot of Batman villains only exist because Batman like raised mm-hmm. the stakes to that sort of level. Right. I don't want Lex to ever want to do anything like that until it's because Superman already exists and he wants to say, "Oh, I can have an outfit. I can have a color scheme." I... Mine's even better. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he he should never have anything like that before Superman. Like that's just how yeah. I feel on the matter. That that said, I do like that the um that Doctor Farm Tenshin are called Farm Hands with the PH. Cause that, that does crack me up. Um, sure. So yeah, but yeah, him, him going through. So until I get evidence, uh, uh to the contrary, I'm going to take this as, this is, you know, Lex telling an inflated story of what he did. Like, and, you know, the problem but, is though, is that like, 
whatever version of this is actually real and what ha- you know mm-hmm. what actually happened like i'm not sure like how much less worse it is you know like- i don't know if, if you can have dr farm go no he didn't bust us up he let us continue Something, something along those but, lines. Yeah. That, well, that, Lex, you know, well, no. Lex, Lex chose to do nothing. I, I expect that, but like, did he still have the outfit? Did he still have these weird L right. bombs that he throws at people? Yeah. God, I hope not. So, <laughs> that's cheesy and not a good way. Uh, yeah, you know? I, I really did not, yeah. did not enjoy that. Uh, well, and, Superman yeah. goes to a lab underground in the underground part of the city, um, and he. Basically, it's a trap. He, how how this was a trap, I don't know. Like how did you go there? I'm unclear. Well, on, yeah, that that's the whole other thing too, is because if it's like Superman has to get through like a whole lot of rubble to get there. Yes. So how like I know there's multiple entrances into things, but like so was Silver Banshee just waiting there the whole time? Like yeah. hopefully, hopefully Superman and, shows up. And you and, know? and much like before, this is a, a character, Silver Banshee, they point out that she's been relatively redeemed, she's out on parole, mm-hmm. and obviously the fact that she's dating Jimmy says, hey, she, and we see her with the pop yeah. tarts at the start, she's yeah. trying to live a normal life, she seems to be doing alright, but these villains are forcing her into yeah. into this, but I, whatever. I do like, too, how she goes to change into Silver Banshee, and, you know, Dr. Farm with his kryptonite hand, and it's kind of like, ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, I thought that was a cool scene. You know, he, he, he does the Nedry, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's he's able to, you know, through kryptonite um, radiation, he's able to, you know, bend her into the, whatever version this is, you know, which is, is also pretty cool too, considering like she's not just screaming, like she's sending like these these wraiths at Superman, like these white. Um, but it's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I've always liked Silver Banshee. Uh, mm, me too. As far as like a look goes, like I like her or. Mm or vibe um, I, I liked her in those uh, i forget what series it was but she was a um a supporting character in supergirl it was the uh, her... it was the peter david 90s run okay well no i'm talking something a little bit even more recent where kara comes to metropolis and uh her roommate is this uh, lady siobhan who eventually uh, oh that's the... yeah that's new 52 then is that new 52 yeah i think I... so okay I liked her in that as as Kara's like roommate that like the family curse gets unlocked of the Silver Banshee, but she's able to try to overcome it and whatever. Um, so so here you know her showing up and dating Jimmy, which at the beginning of like I had to go back and like ugh, is she saying what I think she's saying because she's clearly addressing him about you know um, his pictures being on the front page or whatever. Like there's these little hints at the beginning. Yeah, there's, so, there's some teases that you don't really get until the end. Right. That's who it was setting up. Right. Uh, you know, so Superman ends up fighting uh, Banshee out into the street, which is, you know, we, we cut to Lois and Jimmy talking. And again, they sort of tease that he's got a girlfriend in the scene because Lois mentions it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she asks him if, about Marilyn Moonlight because she's looking into that. And he's like, yeah, I've heard of Marilyn Moonlight. It's a legend. And starts. <sighs> he, he's about to start talking about it. And then that's when the fight spills out into the street and interrupts him. Like, I understand pacing himself, but that, that kind of irritated me. Of the oh yeah, Marilyn Moonlight, yeah, that's an old family. It's like the thing you're talking about with Ghostmaker, you know. Like uh, back in in Metropolis's old West days, I was like, wait, Metropolis is on the Eastern Seaboard. It's not like just as a history nerd, it's something that I got hung up on. But I didn't like the presentation of him trying to explain it and then getting mm-hmm. cut off, you know. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, the big final page is uh, 
Jimmy swooping in to like protect Silver Banshee and saying he loves her as yeah. Lois and Superman look shocked. And you know, to be fair, you know, the art here with their shock faces is quite good. Yeah. Um I, I love the hearts because even the the stuff around her, like the little wispy stuff, makes a heart with Jimmy. Um this, so Yeah, this is gonna be like a weird like thing to compliment, but I think all the clothes look really good in yeah. this book. Like I think Lois's outfit, where she's got this kind of like, she's got this sort of I don't even know what sort of pants you call them, but she's got like a she's got yeah. like a look, and then Jimmy comes in and his like bow tie and jacket looks good. Like everyone's clothes look good and they flow yeah, really the, well. The, the Campbell art definitely supersedes the Dragada art in this in this book. Yeah. So um, um it's just a simple little thing, but I just thought everyone looked good in it. So the art's mm-hmm. good. Like, you know, I, I can't fault the art. I just no. Williamson just conceptually just keeps letting me down. And it's yeah. it's it's so fr- and you know, maybe it's just a taste thing. But I'm not seeing oh, like wow. universal praise for this either, no. so it's not like everyone else is like raving about it. Yeah, no. I mean, it's a fine book. Like I don't, but like I, this is one that I was like, oh yeah, I used to have Superman to read, you know. So it wasn't again, you know, it wasn't one of the ones that I raced to to read first. And it's only and issue, it's only out. issue four, so that's not. Yeah, you know, no, but like I'm I'm the big Williamson fan here, right? So like. Well, you know, and I'm the <laughs> Superman fan, so I should be. This should be like two boxes are checked, but just kind of the story, Doctor Farm, and all this other stuff. I'm like, it's, it's fine. We'll see where it goes. Are we not? I'm definitely pa- invested in Silver Banshee. Are we not at past tense with that Williamson fandom yet? <laughs> no, no, because I still have two issues of Dark Ride to get into. Because uh, the first four were really, really fun. So, and maybe just the superhero stuff. Maybe sometimes he needs to take a break and reset. Okay. That 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 said, Nailbiter didn't quite stick the landing. Um, yeah. Are so, the dark crisis? Right. It, I it started to feel like maybe a Williamson thing. Maybe right. he doesn't want to end stuff. Started to be a trend. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so real mixed bag. There's scenes I liked. I like Lex being mad at the prisoner for making fun of Superman. Mm-hmm. I like Silver Banshee. I think the Jimmy Silver Banshee is an interesting little twist. Um, I like the pill heads or the farm hands as they're being called. Yep. Um, but like this backstory with Lex, like just it just instantly made me go, ah, oh, what is this shit? <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be like, no, like I want Superman one time just to call out Lex one time. Like, no way that that happened like that. Like yeah. we have time machines. Let's go back. Show me. You know. Yeah. Like, so real mixed bag, unfortunately. Matt, what are you giving yeah. Superman issue for? I'm gonna give this a seven point five, and that's mostly from the art. What am I giving it? Uh. I think I will give it a 6.5, which is to say there's still enough in it that I like, but the thing that I didn't like, I really didn't like. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go 6.5. I'll, I'll say it's still verging on good this. Like I, didn't, like, I think I was more mad at last issue because last issue felt like it just shat away the entire story arc that it was doing. Yeah. Uh, this is just like a conceptual thing I just don't like. So yeah, but I'll, I'll go with that. All right. The Flash, 799, Jeremy Adams, writing with Tom Dernick and Fernando Pissarin on the art. Uh, Flash, Wally's still doing his Starship Captain bit. Uh, uh-huh. They're on their way to Granny Goodness to get the baby back. Uh, I had fun with this issue, but I will say it felt like the, the last issue was setting up like something that felt like it was going to be bigger, and it felt like a quick... And I know it that It feels truncated for sure. Yeah. It feels like this had another two issues left. I thought that this was going to be part two and then there'd be like an oversized conclusion in issue 800 yeah. along with the other stories instead it yes. wraps up here and now there'll be like an epilogue or a final 
like one shot thing in issue 800 mm-hmm. for this run which is fine except that i just you know like there we go the joke that the terrifics uh are fighting the big massive stuff uh with yeah. uh gold beetle and uh, the wrestler dude <laughs> like, uh, uh omega band man there you go uh yeah. like that that's amusing but it does kind of feel light and fluffy you know uh yeah no it definitely feels like like uh adams had more for this story and then it felt like they they shifted creative on him yeah. and so he had to kind of wrap up as quick as he could you know and it still feels fulfilling in parts i really like when when we get to the granny goodness stuff and i really like them you know the the creatures that are fighting at, at time point and whatever um and how we never see you know omega batman take him out with gold beetle so it's just all this off we... off camera stuff yeah, we so the big thing here is that one of the kids that are fighting for Granny Goodness turns out to be Mr. Terrific's son, who was mm-hmm. taken out of his wife's body, effectively, yeah. before she died, uh, which is a really interesting and dark little reveal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. so we'll, we'll see what they do with that. Um, I mean, honestly, what was weird for me about this is that after all the fighting is done and they're on their way back home and it's going to take a while... Uh, it was funny to me how it kind of like overlaps the concept of Superman Lost, where Wally gets back and he's got a beard because for them they don't actually say how long it's been. No, but you would presume with a beard like that, it's been at least a year, maybe two. Right? Yeah, I mean we don't know how how thick that West hair comes in, so but it's definitely been close to a year, if not yeah. more. Which I mean, it's not been that long. It's not been twenty years because the baby's still right. relatively a baby. You know, it's not right. like Wade suddenly a toddler or anything like that, but. Um, it's definitely been about a, a year because he's got a full beard and his his hair's grown out at the top of the mask. He's mm-hmm. he's got he's got the uh the, you know the the when he first came back after rebirth flash suit that he had. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean honestly, the action is just kind of a bit light and fluffy. It's not like a super deep issue by any means. It just kind of he gets back with the kid at the end. Linda's happy to see him, but for Linda, it's only been a day. But for Wally, right. it's been however long it's taken to get back. So, um. We'll see what they do there. The art's also a bit inconsistent because we've got multiple artists here, uh, as yeah. mentioned. And I, I felt it a bit more in this one. I think Wally, for example, in that last page looks really skinny because the art style is just very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Linda's face is very, very, very flat when she's hugging the baby at the end. Um, so I'm assuming that that's um, the... Well, I don't even know if that's Derenic or Pissarin. Probably Derenic? Probably Derenic. Yeah, Usually we can look at Pissarin and yeah. know. So if you're if you're guessing, it's probably the other guy. Then. I I usually don't have a problem with Pissarin's art. So I, by by logical assumption, then mm-hmm. it's probably uh, Theronic. Yeah. But um, yeah. But also not like an amazing issue. Right? It's probably one of the weaker issues of the run, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. For sure, I'll agree with all those points. Yeah. Which is a shame because, like the the setup last issue was quite good, and I liked that it was including all these characters that we'd been introduced along the run. It's, it's almost, it almost just feels like the actual adventure had to be cut short because the run was yep. told it was ending. So yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, you, see when you go back and look at the art, like there's a lot more detail in some of the earlier stuff, and then everything yep. looks really flat towards the end. So the <laughs> art change really does hit this one, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anything you want to add before we? No, that's how we, we pretty much line up. I was not that I was disappointed, but yeah, I thought like you said, I thought there'd be at least some wrap up in eight hundred, and that's where Adams would get to you know 
do his goodbye type stuff. So well, no, uh, who knows? I thought who knows that, that story is? Well, no, we're still getting that. I assume. Yeah, but, but what I mean is, like, through here, I figured he's the type of writer that would wrap his stuff up, you know, through the story. He wouldn't just have like an issue style wrap up, if that makes sense. You know, like the part three would be the final wrap up. Yeah, of his yeah, journey. yeah. That's that's you what know? we said at the start. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, that's what I expected. I was not expecting this mm-hmm. to wrap up with issue seven nine nine, but yeah. That's what they've chosen to do, uh, and maybe mm-hmm. it's because he's got a really cool epilogue idea that he wants to do, yeah. which is fine. Uh, but it does feel like this arc was supposed to be like six issues and mm-hmm. got cut down to two. <laughs> I, I still feel there's some there's meat on the bone with Gold Beetle and and Jay. I, I still feel like uh, maybe Adams not. Adams can come back to that at another I, time. I hope so because it's been a fun little mm-hmm. tease every time it's come up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does feel like. It feels like he wrote the last issue when he thought he was going to get a whole arc, <laughs> and then he was told before this one, "Oh no, you're only getting like this, this these two issues left." And he's like, "Shit," because it feels like everything just wraps up so easily in this. Like, it doesn't feel like a mm-hmm. big fight with Granny goodness. It feels like they get to her really quickly. Like everything feels really quick and truncated. So I suspect that that that's just a a logistical and like time problem than anything else. Uh, but anyway, uh, what are you what are you giving Flash seven nine nine? I'm going to give this a 7. I'm also going to go to 6 with this one, honestly. It's, uh... Yeah. yeah. Also, Matt, you're getting a little bit of interference. Watch your, your cables. Gotcha. Let me fix them. Yeah. Uh, it's not been too bad yet, but the, the, it, got, it got worse, like, last week or the week before, whenever it was. So. Yep. Um, Alright, all right, Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 15. Mark Wade writing with Dan Mora on the art. Uh, so we introduced uh, Ultramorpho, whatever he's called, yep. <laughs> at the end of last issue, uh, and he fights Superman. Superman's really struggling. Robin's trying to like carry Superman away and be like, mm-hmm. really get your strength back up. Uh, it's a whole thing until, of course, Batman shows up with a suit made out of the Metal Men. Uh, he looks like a, like a Megazord, where like one yep. one leg's red, one's blue. This is- so this is, I don't want to say this is stupid and I love it because I usually reserve that for the fast movies, but this is silly and I love it. You know? Well, it makes uh, a, it makes enough sense and then it kind of like yeah. pays off later where Superman, like Metamorpho makes like a suit of himself for Superman. That's what I was going to get through to there is like, oh, there's all this uh, kryptonite radiation and kryptonite there. How can we, how can Superman get through it? And Metamorpho turns himself into a suit. Of, of lead, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, of course there's lead there, but like, yeah. Um, looks like a space suit for Superman and just it makes me definitely feel like you have to have a really good relationship with Metamorpho if you're on a team with him because <laughs> at some point he's going to surround you as as armor or something that, yeah uh, that does so, take yeah. trust that's a, that's a very good point I never really thought about that but yeah, yeah. it's a very good point right uh, so we also see that people are getting controlled by uh, Mechanique and that's where the Doom Patrol are in Washington mm-hmm. so that stuff's set up uh there's a surprising amount going on in this, honestly, but the Dan Moore it's, art with all the uh, the fighting's fantastic. Yeah, it's the rise of the robots, right? So a lot of these mm-hmm. robotic villains and characters are are starting to wreak havoc, and like we see the challenges of the unknown, which I can't tell you the last time I even thought of that property. So the fact that Wade's pulling uh, the what was it called? It, the yeah, I know new wave was, of DC heroes. Yeah, was it. it was not for me. Um, but yeah, so we see the challengers, they're having issues with one, and there's all the, all sorts of fun yeah. but uh, it, robots. But we see Red Tornado too at the beginning. 
he's he's making some saves and then programming stuff happens and he yeah. takes off but it, it, it seems like they're not actually in control it's actually yeah. new morpho no, no sorry not new mm-hmm. morpho new new mezo that's the Amazo. name. New Amazo, yep. who is controlling the original Amazo, as well as all the scientists. That he's got like so. By the end of the issue, like Batman and Superman have been kidnapped. Uh, Metamorpho wants to go fight them, and Robin's like, "No, we're not going to win." Because Robin is actually like a really great. Uh, uh, like Robin's like leg gets covered in acid at one point, right. and his leg looks messed up. It was actually quite a dark he, little. Moment. And he can't walk, right? Like he's. It's all gross. Yeah, um, one of the metal men like gives him like a, a metal cast effectively right. to to help him. Um, but like, yeah, we need to plan, and he wants to call in the, the the Teen Titans, but they're busy. He wants to call in Supergirl, but she's busy. In fact, the issue ends with uh, uh the sort of a cliffhanger with uh, Supergirl like losing touch with him. Is is seemingly yeah. the Batmobile is being taken over by again whatever's controlling all these robotic enemies and is going to ram into a wall. Mm-hmm. I suspect that wall's going to open. As start next yeah. issue but that's my guess that's my guess anyway mm-hmm. but we'll see so uh, that's all good stuff but batman and superman are held captive they've got collars around their neck which superman's in particular is like dampening his powers right. so um i will say this like this book because there's so much going on and it's so wacky like i always forget what it was about until i start reading the next issue and then i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's all this stuff oh yeah yeah metamorpho yeah. and stag was dead but he's not dead because he was a robot instead <laughs> like, yeah like well then we find out that those were like the uh, ivo his his first attempt at amazo was these duplicates but mm. that wasn't big enough so he created amazo and now it seems like new amazo is the logical conclusion so it seems like new Mazo can control robots it's, instead of take the super uh, instead of copy the powers of the Justice League. It's also zany in like mm-hmm. a Silver Age way, and I feel like comics sometimes try to be too silly, and it's the problem that I have with Williamson's writing sometimes, where they put in too many ideas. But Mark Wade's very good at just kind of juggling them in this way that feels like he's just having fun and he's riffing and he's just throwing in weird shit. And I think part of it's because he never tries to pretend. That the story's more important than it is. Never. Well, there's that, and he treats it with the right level of of that to where he's like, it just gets to the edge of being too silly, and then he pulls it back, right? Yeah. So you I, know. I, I think it's that. I think it's the fact that it, he never tries to pretend that it's like the most important story ever. Mm-hmm. But I think on top of those two things, it's also the fact that the actual character dynamics are still there. You know, when Robin's calling Supergirl yeah. for help, who was in the run, you know, in, in the previous arc, and he's, like, basically begging for help because Batman and Superman are held captive, and she then gets worried because something might be wrong with them. Like, yeah. it's like, you know what? The actual emotional connection to the characters and their jeopardy is still hitting, even though the story isn't trying to pretend that oh, it's the end of the world again, and, you know, right. it's like, because comics do that all the time. It's always the every story is the biggest story. You know, mm-hmm. like I always applaud when a story just does like a, a oh, this is a smaller personal thing. We're not doing like the next big this crisis is bigger than the last crisis. You know, none of that bollocks. So there's just the way he juggles all those expectations. So I never feel like the book's aiming for something higher than it is, but it's all also feeling like it's over delivering and how much I care about the characters mm-hmm. is just really good. <laughs> It's just really good writing that Wade's very, and then yeah, then Dan Mora art, and you have like a really attractive book as well. So yeah, well, and all of the robots too look distinct, uh-huh. so they they have that that vibe of you know, all the metal men look like the middle metal men, but they have little Mora touches on them, and same with like 
uh, a mezzo, a new mezzo. Uh, so, uh, and it's just fun for me as like a, a DC Comics history guy, seeing all these other characters pop up, you know, just because I know Mark Waid has an encyclopedic knowledge of the DC universe. So to see like Ultivac, I'm sure was a, you know, had something to do with Challenge of the Unknown. Probably, but, yeah. yeah. You know, but just to see that pop up and, and you know, chemo popping up and, um, so yeah, it's it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, chemo like shows Supergirl's fighting, yeah. That's right, um, yep. So, no, it's it's all, uh, it's all just super fun. And the way it goes, like, Mark Wade is great at writing superhero comfort food in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think, because I think sometimes, like, you throw that around for books that are just okay. I, I think Mark Wade is exceptional at writing that, but it's really good and well crafted. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that's something that should be applauded uh, when I do, like, you know, come out of a lot of books going, oh, it was a six, it was a seven, it was a six, it was a seven. Uh, I think Mark Wade is really good at it, where I came out of it feeling like I had a great time mm-hmm. and it was achieving exactly what it was setting out to do. So, uh, what are you rating, uh, World's Finest Man? Uh, I'm going to give this a solid eight. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a kind of eight, yeah. Eight, yeah, well, maybe eight point five, but I'll say eight. Um, it, it's just it's just a great, solid superhero comic that's pulpy in all the right ways and zany in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. So, very good. Batgirls, issue 18. Uh, we have Becca Clooney and Michael Conrad writing with Robbie mm-hmm. Rodriguez on the art. Uh, last issue set up this story with the sniper and they've had that big graveyard scene and all that stuff. This issue, uh, the Batgirl's investigating and they're talking to a uh, officer, is it Brooks or what his name is? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he shows them the, the note that the police department got that says the Batgirls have to like be arrested and brought in or I'm going to kill more people kind of thing. And they're like, okay, we're looking into it and they all leave the scene. There's a great few panels here actually of them all like all three mm. of the Batgirls are in the panel together and uh, they all sort of grapple out together it's just a really nice little beat yes. uh, but Montoya gives them shit for talking to the Batgirls and that this is going to cause more more trouble uh, and she gives them shit duty to go and guard the, the, the crime scene yep. uh, the sniper's nest uh, but basically Batgirl or Oracle reaches out to Batman and the, the younger Batgirls go and see Batman. And there's a nice little scene where he says he's mm-hmm. proud of them and uh, they're they're getting gains from it. And basically the advice he gives them is that, okay, you can't be seen doing anything as Batgirls because this killer will kill more people. So you're just going to have to go full ninja. You're going to have to not be seen when you're saving people. Mm-hmm. And it actually leads to this really great fun sequence where, uh- where it's like a bank robbery and Alyssa's mm-hmm. there and she calls for help and you just like it's this great sequence of like these two gunmen looking around and they've got the ski masks on and they're getting scared and it's like a classic batman scene but just with a little bit more of a fun vibe where like they're getting cowardly scared and the only thing you ever see of the batgirls in the scene is like one silhouette of Cass uh sort of whooshing past at one point it's almost like the only reason we get a shadow is because of the gun flash yeah yeah right Uh, it's really really well handled honestly like I mean, I, I think obviously the Brave and the Bold story's taken it, but until I mm-hmm. read that, this this scene was my moment of the, the week. This this was the gotcha. the thing that stuck out to me yes. most. Um so yeah, uh, also Babs puts on a wig and goes to uh <laughs> talk to Officer Brooks. Yep. Uh I God, I hope that she has a name like matches Malone. <laughs> right? 
Uh, I hope this is a character that we see of her more. Um, so I don't know what the lady version fun. of Matches Malone would be. I don't, I don't know either. That's why I said like Matches Malone in yeah. any of my own. But but yeah. So, but yeah, no, definitely that bank height or the bank rob scene, you know. And then Alyssa ends up hitting one of the one of the guys with the stanchion. So, um, it you know definitely the the back girls were there to help. But Is it that makes what it look you like call too. one of those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a stanchion. I never heard that before. Mm-hmm. I would have just said the 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 barrier pole thing. The, yeah, the, <laughs> it's where the ropes go in between. Yeah, when they're trying yeah. to keep you out of something. Yeah, no, yeah, stanchion. Yeah. If it's in between a door, it's called a mullion. I These feel are like, things I know from my work. I feel like ropes old school. I feel like most of them now they have like almost like a seatbelt style thing. It, it is. Where it comes out, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Uh, this has been the Stanchion podcast, everyone. Stanchion. Yeah, thank you for joining. Us. <laughs> this uh, is Matt Stanchion minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but there's a nice scene with Cass and Steph like bonding mm-hmm. and saying that they learn from each other because Steph's on. Steph's like, I'm not good at doing the ninja thing. Like, I'm not, I'm not stealthy. Yeah. And Cass like, no, no, like, you, you did fine. She's like, I've learned from you. And she's like, yeah, I've learned from you what to talk too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a fun little beat between them. Yeah. Um, but then uh, on the news, it turns out, uh, and this seems to be something that uh, Babs might have set up with, uh-huh. uh, like, two two girls have been arrested in Batgirl outfits. <laughs> so Steph yeah. and Cass are watching, like, wait a minute, they look just like us. What, what, why, what's happening? So, mm-hmm. uh, it's an interesting uh, little plot beat. Like, I'm really digging this. Stranus is the best arc the book's had. And, are, and I've really enjoyed the last few arcs of this. Uh, so, a good one to go out on, I suppose, at least. Um, yeah. But the, we have the podcaster who's upset because our cameraman was one of the guys yeah. that was shot uh, last issue yeah. by the sniper. And she basically does like a podcast in support of the Batgirls. And we, we, we see it sort of like we we you know we read the bubbles as we see, you know Oracle um, with Alyssa. We see Cass yeah. buying some more books. Steph's with that new guy that might be a new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like it's building up to the podcaster doing something drastic because she's bought that gun last issue. We see her loading it, uh-huh. but instead she basically rallies like a like a parade for or a march. It's a, a protest. A protest, yeah. yeah. Uh, for the Batgirls, basically saying free the Batgirls, like we're all Batgirls, and she's literally wearing a T-shirt with a target on it, as if to like call out the sniper. Yeah. Um. So she she's you know maybe a little off the deep end, but has seemingly good intentions. Although yeah. she still has that shotgun though, which well, I you know. Yeah, and I like that scene where it's going through all the characters, and it's she's doing stuff like in her her podcast voice. I would take it of. Basically, what the Batgirls mean to uh, the hill, yeah, is over the course of the run, and then you even get one of those guys that they'd stop from selling guns, right? He's one of the biker dudes. Mm. As as he's looking there, as she's loading the gun, that's where I thought I was like, oh no, right? And then we get that also her in silhouette against the window. It feels like it's a different artist, um, with the blues and the red or the blues and the orange. Oh, that, I don't think that's her. That's the snipers, though. Oh. Shoot! Oh, I mean, that's right. Cause yeah, you're right. That's a sniper because because she has like a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> this that, is, that is. Yeah, this I is... was reading too fast, but then it, it juxtaposes with that with yeah. them loading you know, the sniper loading. Well, the sniper's definitely a female, judging from the from the the shape. Because I thought it was Grace. So uh, Matt saying yeah. he, he thought the silhouette was sexy is what Matt's saying. I, maybe. You know, <laughs> I gotta come to terms with that on my own. It's no poison ivy, but come 
No, no, it's a gorgeous page, though. It is, yes. like, the, the, the blues and the yellows. But the art just really changes good. so much. That's why I thought it was her in silhouette. Like, he was driving home the point that the the, the artist and the, the writers were driving on the point that she's about to do something different, right? And then when you see that she's leading a protest, wearing a, a target on her, it's completely different than her holding the gun. Yeah. So... Yeah, um, it's almost like it's building up to her maybe doing something bad, but then it seems like, yeah. oh, this is much healthier. This is much better. Right. Uh, right. So, yeah, because, you know, that, that page with a sniper ends with her saying, uh, you know, to that piece of trash that hurt, you know, Roki, which is how I think uh -huh. you say his name, because there's no C. Yeah, right. It's R-O-K-Y. I'm assuming that's Roki and not Rocky, but, right. I, you know. Uh, but it says, you know, to the person who hurt my cameraman, you know, we're coming for you kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's a really good uh, follow-up to... La I, last issue, I liked a bit more because the tension of all the sniper scenes mm -hmm. was so good. But I think this issue, building up this idea that the, the local like area have all come to love the Batgirls and are willing to step up for them, is kind of yeah. sweet and a nice little sort of... If, it, it does, like... Even though it's been cut short to only, you know, 20 issues uh, by the time it's done, I do think this feels like a nice, like, end of run arc to do because it's like saying hey these they've made a difference to all these people uh they're, they're coming out and supporting them that's kind of nice uh yeah so uh, i like that a lot and uh th them working with the uh, officer Bruce, it feels like all the pieces that have been put into play are all being used in this final arc which is which is nice honestly this, this book's had such a good turnaround that first arc was so messy and overstuffed but everything after yeah. has been such yeah, a constant really improvement it's been great I really enjoyed this art too because it's showing that the Batgirls have made a difference in the neighborhood since they moved there. Yeah. Right? So it didn't just feel like something like in the meta sense of, oh, just give the Batgirls a book. It's like, well, no. Now they have another piece. Like how when, you know, Babs went to Burnside and it felt like she made a, a difference there. It was like right? what now, we were saying last issue. I think we talked about how they all went into the, the bookstore's like yep. place for, for shelter when the sniper was hitting. And mm -hmm. it was like, oh, we'll set this character up. It's not just a random place. Right, you know, so just these little side characters that just make this, you know, the supporting cast feel alive and feel like it's a mm -hmm. real place. It's something that I love in a good comic book run, and something that you know, uh, like they've been doing better with in general in DC. I think this was something that yeah. was missing, so, you know, sorely during the New Fifty Two. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, it's it's, it's uh, really good stuff. I, I like it a lot. Uh, and Robert Rodriguez's art is is really solid in the book. Um, right. You know, I think the colors are especially great as well. So, it, it's that it's that thing where it, it's it's never been quite as good as that original artist that was on it, admittedly. But right. it's been a really solid, Jorge. consistent art. Yeah, yeah. the Jorge Corona. Jorge Corona. Yeah. yeah, that was the one. So, but really solid. Um, all the Batgirls look great in their outfits, and mm -hmm. yeah. So, I, I really don't have that much to complain about. I think it's a great issue. Not quite mm -hmm. as exciting as last issue, but a really good middle chapter to this. What I assume is a four issue arc because we've got two yeah. issues left. So, um, all right, what are you giving Batgirls issue 18? I'm going to give this an eight. Uh, I, I think I agree with. The, you know what? I'll go 8.5. Like, I, I'm really okay. having a good time. I think I'll go 8.5. There you go. All right, cool. The Vigil issue one, Ram V writing, Trevor Hersein, uh Wait, not Trevor Hersein, Sorry. I, this, is, this is me copying. Yep old episodes and editing them as I've forgotten to take out someone. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, Ram V writing with Lalit Kumar Sharma on the art. So this is obviously we were looking forward to this because it's Ram V we like his work typically and it's him introducing his uh, Indian focused team of heroes. 
mm-hmm. um, which operate kind of like a like a squad, not quite Suicide Squad. They're, they're different to that. Uh, no, it definitely feels like an espionage team. Like this felt like checkmate. Yeah, it feels. I would describe it as they, like they were supposed to be the government Suicide Squad, but as mm-hmm. we find out, the scientist who was kind of in charge of it all has obviously yep. kept them separate and put them mm-hmm. off to the side. And so it's a little bit of a Doom Patrol setup. But yep. I would say tonally, it feels more like the silencer. And that's maybe where the espionage side comes yeah, into it. I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's what that's made me think of. Not because the story's similar, but I just like. No. I, I, I was just I was getting kind of vibes of that as I was reading that. Uh, I think this is an excellently structured first issue. Um, and it does some really smart things with how it introduces the various elements of the story so that some things like matter later on in the issue. That yeah, it, it can be well, hard to do that in one issue, and and I know that they wanted to set them up in those Lazarus Planet stuff and whatever, but I almost wish this was our first taste of of them. Yeah, because I feel like seeing them and being surprised. Because like we kind of saw what some of their powers were, or whatever. Now they operate, but when we see them work as a team, when they go to uh, get back this boat that's been taken over by pirates, uh, it's oh my god! It, like you said, it's so well structured. Like zero issues following the the action was and once you piece together what they're doing to get everyone in the same room it it hits at the perfect time and it's not even just that moment though i, I think the way it sets up the the sport situation and how it intersperses that as it's setting up stuff with like these other characters before it gets mm-hmm. to the actual team doing the mission i think all of yeah. that is paced wonderfully and we'll talk about it in a second but um you don't need to have read their appearances in that one Detective Comics or the Lazarus yep. Planet one-shot. This works perfectly as an issue one. Uh, mm-hmm. No need for any of that. Which is the polar opposite of the Spirit World issue one, which you did have yep. to read that that thing. So, yeah, so basically we see these pirates taking over this boat uh, near Thailand, I think they said. And yep. uh, we're introduced to this character in the park in Mumbai where this woman's been given this job from this older guy to basically take over the team, right? To sort of like mm-hmm. be the liaison for the vigil and actually work with them. Um, and this guy, and it sets up a joke later on, actually, but he says that he wants to go and move somewhere where he can take a shit without worry that he's going to get shot while he's in the toilet seat. Mm-hmm. That actually comes back later because a team does kill him and he's sitting in the toilet seat at the end of the issue when he's yeah. there. That was gutting. That made me laugh. Like, I'm not gonna be lie. Be careful what you wish for, old man. That that was that was a dark bit of humor, but mm-hmm. it made me chuckle. Um, no, so she's given this folder of the team, like who the names are, and we're introduced to kind of the, the basically the scientists that sort of like help give them all their powers, right? Uh, yep. They're they're Calder, if you will. He, we basically see him talking to these military types, and they're basically, oh, this is a whole failure. Like this entire thing's mm-hmm. a failure. And he basically goes along with the idea that he's just an idiot, and they sort of talk down to him. And you know, when he leaves the room, they say, "Ah, oh, smart guy, my ass," or something like that. Like they're really sort of belittling him, and it's all a, it's all an act on his part because he doesn't want them suspecting that he's actually he has succeeded. He set up this team to all have superpowers, but he's basically decided that they are they shouldn't be with the government. They shouldn't be with the country's government. They should be right. independent and we see him leave and go and meet up with this this woman character who's going to to help run the place now uh so uh, so it's dr sinkaran is the scientist the, um and the miss saha is the the one lady yeah saha nia saha is the the young mm-hmm. lady who's now taking the role over from the old guy so yeah. 
he takes her to the base. And as this is playing out, though, we also see the vigil, like, sneaking up on the boat. So it's, like, yep. jumping between the two plots. And this is what I, what I say when I talk about the structure, is that all throughout that original stuff, like, the first, like, you know, eight pages of the book, whatever it is, where we're getting introduced to Saha, and we're getting introduced to the scientist, and we're getting introduced to what's going on, and, like, the the mystery of, like, oh, you've been brought into this secret mission, and you're going to be part of this team now, you're going to help mm-hmm. run it, whatever. Throughout all of that, there's constant, like, things, just every so often, like, you know, the news in the background talking about the boat hostage situation. Yeah. It's just constantly coming up throughout the issue. So by the time you see, like, the little boat going towards the big ship with the vigil on it, it actually feels exciting. It feels exciting mm-hmm. because they've spent all issue, like, setting up that this crisis is happening and that no one's doing anything to solve it. So you get kind of excited. Uh, and then that's where the, the, what you were talking about earlier comes in, where we're seeing them sneak around the boat and it shows us how at least some of their powers work. You know, we get, yep. you know, the one with the mask who can take off the mask. It's explained to us that his face, uh, his skin, like, doesn't, like, attach to his body properly. Yep. And it takes, like, medication or whatever to, like, keep it upright. But the mask that he's got was designed to read the uh, like someone else's face. So he, we see it, we see him put it on a guard's face after he's knocked him out, mm-hmm. and he puts it on his own face. And it's like all the electrical little things in the mask basically make his face uh, into this other guy. So he's like a master of disguise who can switch to anyone else for a limited time. It won't last forever. Eventually, his mm-hmm. face will sort of lose shape. But that you know, it clearly shows that it shows you him use the mask and then turn into this other guy. Uh, and then, of course, we get the explanation uh, from uh, the doctor as well. From the doctor, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like all that scene too because when we see was it Dodge moving through, you know, like the Flash, right? The the motion blur on the art. Yeah. With all the colors, it looks so cool. I don't think she's actually because she's, she's not a speedster. She's not got speed force powers, but no, that's what yeah. I mean though. But the way that she's moving quicker, right? Then they can perceive. Yeah, right. I, I I just want to make that clear though. She's not as fast yeah. as a flash. Uh, she's just right. moving too quick for the cameras to pick up, which means right. she's going quicker than uh, a thirtieth of a second, basically. Right. Assuming it's thirty frames per second. So she has an extraordinary amount of fast-twitch muscle fiber in her body. They refresh her skeletal structure to let her body deal with the strain. The reason you can't see her though is because she's moving faster than the camera can record. Yeah. So just the way that they show that with the blurs and stuff, it looks super cool. Like I like I like the way that that looks. Yeah, no, it's it's super neat, uh, and it sets up these different characters, and mm-hmm. it also sets up there's a little bit of a darkness to them. Where yeah, they'll save the hostages, but they're not really all that fussed about them. It's more about getting to this device. Like so, yeah. the whole pirate thing is basically like uh like they they're here for this device, this uh, LexCorp device or whatever it is that's in the cargo, mm-hmm. and. Basically, the Vigil are hunting down technology and stuff that they don't think the world should have access to yet because it's too dangerous. And it's like, oh, saving the hostages is convenient because no one will question things because of such a happy ending. Like, people Mm -hmm. won't look too much into the device being missing. Uh, And they're going to track where it was going as well, which may be relevant later, it may not be. But uh, it's this weird, you know, uh, was it waveform emitter? Uh, honestly, it sounded kind of like the uh, thing from Batman Begins. The uh... the, the the yeah. The, but the Roz was going to use the microwave yeah. thing to destroy the water supply yeah. to send uh, Gotham. You know, turn it on itself. So anyway, they uh, they destroy this thing, and like 
there's also a tease that the big muscly guy in the base that's been talking to uh, uh, Saha uh, mm-hmm. has powers as well, because we see his eyes light up just towards yep. the end. Um, but the final page is uh, this SWAT team going after the old guy that she replaced and killing him when he's on the toilet seat, uh, which made me laugh. And we see this villain uh, sort of like, he's here to actually it may not be dead yet he's still kind of talking actually now now i'm talking about it but um he's basically there to question him because they keep talking about how the person funding the vigil it's not a doctor there's someone bankrolling them called mr Mm -hmm. lateless and that's who this swat team guy with the weird eyes uh is trying to find out about he wants to know who mr lateless is um so there's you know what there's a lot of stuff here but i think this first issue does a great job of introducing the, the key concept the team who the main players with powers are, mm-hmm. and who this like character who is the newcomer who is our conduit to learn all these things. Mm-hmm. Like it does a solid introductory job of what who these characters are and what this book is. Uh, so I, I thought this was a great first issue, honestly. I, I thought yeah, this set I, things up perfectly well. After after reading them, Lazarus Planet and Detective, I was a little bit like doubtful about it, but then that's what I get. That's how silly I am. Who am I to doubt Ram V at this point? Because, yeah, this this issue was um, surpassed any expectations I had for, for it based off of the two other ones. And, and it is difficult, right, to like get us into a, a new comic mm-hmm. where it's all original characters. Like, right. And maybe that's why I also thought of The Silencer, because that was like the other, yeah. that was like the good original. example of that, where, yeah. you, know, I, you know, at least during our time in the show, where that was mm-hmm. a new character, and I was like, hey, this is actually pretty good. And that was a case where I wasn't expecting it from the creative team, but it ended up being right. really good. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 and here too because it, it's. I mean, you know, it's set in the DC universe based off what some of the people are saying, right? Like, there's a kite man reference. There is, talking yeah. About how the Americans, the Americans are so much better at, at the superpowered thing than we are. They even have kite themed. Yeah. Do, do you know what that sounded like? Know? It sounded like uh, you and China were trying to make their superheroes. Yeah. Uh, this was India trying to make their own mm-hmm. superheroes, and that's what like they're. Yeah. You know, they think they've failed, but in reality, like, you know, the doctor's just like, no, no, no. Like, we're, this shouldn't be in the government. This should be a separate thing. Right. Right. Because uh, he's responsible. That's because we've seen what happens when the government is in charge of superheroes. You get the, the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Right? But at the so, same, same time, it sounds like they might also make morally great choices if they think, mm-hmm. or at least if, if he thinks is right, maybe we'll explore right? that as we go on. But. Uh, as far as the first issue goes to get me invested in what's going on, I thought this set up a, a conflict, this boat thing. Uh, it built up to it really well. It gave me characters that helped me introduce to the characters uh-huh. that are in the story. It was a solid introductory first issue that was introducing a lot of moving parts, and I feel like I'm along for the ride and I'm not being left behind because there's too much going on. Uh, I think this was great. I actually I came out of this feeling really positive. I- me too. And I like all the new characters too, because I like anytime you give me a a new character that's so unlike anything. So like Saya, the 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 guy with the bone disease, mm-hmm. right? The fact that he can, you know, be a master of disguise for a hot second and he got back into the room, like I thought that was a really cool use of that. Um so like yeah, and I'm wondering what this other guy's power is down at the end, you know, yeah, to see I'm how he fits in. Curious about that. And also it's worth mentioning, you know, like they shoot the pirate in the back. There's no. This is not mm-hmm. a superhero where it's like they'll no. take them in alive or anything. They'll just execute them without mercy. Right. So we're getting that type of team. We're getting those types yeah. of characters. So for sure. Uh, oh, really good. I I I am on board for issue two. Uh, needless to say. 
Uh, what are you giving the vigil issue one, Matt? I'm going to give this an 8.5. Hmm. I think I agree with 8.5, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I think I'll agree with that. So, yeah, cool. Cyborg issue one. Uh, Morgan Hampton writing with Tom Rainey on the art. So, uh, yeah, Cyborg is back in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And we have the big thing from this issue, though, the, the real and well, we're dealing with Victor's daddy issues again, which could be a negative. <laughs> I will say, though, it's a little bit different when you're actually advancing the story by saying, no, no, his dad is dead. Like this book starts off with him getting mm -hmm. a phone call. He's, he's mid fight. Right. He's not answering. But when he finally answers it, the reveal is, is that his dad's died uh, via heart attack. Although, which, you know, yeah. Obviously, the ending does kind of bring him back, kind of, but... Right, but the fact that it was a heart attack and the fact that Dr. Stone was, like, this super scientist when it came to technology and stuff, it was, like, one of those things, like, no matter what Victor could have done, he he can't stop that, right? It's kind of like in, yeah. in Superman the movie, the reason why Pa Kent's death's so effective is it's something that Clark couldn't prevent, so... I, I did like that choice here. It wasn't like it wasn't like a villain got him. It wasn't anything else. It was, you know, it was a heart attack. It was something that's just regular. Um, and how, how Victor's going to deal with that because his dad pushed him and pushed him. And then I, I like here that they, they bring up that he was never more than a science project to dad. That's how he mm -hmm. felt after the accident. And for the first time in a while, that was like the most clear and coherent statement. On, on Cyborg's origin, and now that we got it out, I feel like we can move past that. Yeah, and he's going to therapy, he's talking about the mm -hmm. funeral, uh, you see the Titans at the funeral. I there's a, Obviously, they're mostly dressed in suits, but Dick still get his mask on. I did love, uh, though, there's, there's one detail I really like, though, which is that Donna has a black dress on that's just a little bit sparkly to, to mimic yeah. the stars on her usual outfit. <laughs> I thought that was quite the funny. The one that got me was <laughs> Wally in full flash uniform with the mask, with the cowl, while wearing a tuxedo or a suit. Yeah, like, I was going to say, tuxedo people don't wear tuxedos no. to funerals. No, with with a suit. Because with, with Dick, I get, he just puts the domino mask on, right? He's not I mean. Flash is wearing a full headpiece. And that, I know it's a funeral, it's supposed to be, you know, but that made me laugh. Like, just because it was, it, it looks so funny. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's a pretty solid first issue. Not great. But I, I do yeah. like the... I think the art's quite nice. It's it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's got kind of a... You know, thick lines, kind of cartoony mm -hmm. vibe to it that I, I yeah. think makes it feel a little bit distinct. I think it mm -hmm. it suits... Um, I think it suits Cyborg, actually. I think I think his hair looks really good in this art style yeah. for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's, it's more inky and got thicker lines, but, like, it, it just... It, it looks like it, it, it works with him. Um... So, you know, it sets up that his, his ex-girlfriend was the one that was calling him to tell him about yeah. his dad. Uh, well, the one thing they do here that I'm not, like, sure about yet is that there's this angry reporter who's, like, talking about how much she hates Cyborg. Yeah, and her whole dumbass of the week statement. It was, yeah. to me, it was super overridden. And I get what they're doing. It's a show, like, you know, like media coming out against, like, Cyborg. And it's not great for Detroit. And, you know, but yeah, it was very heavy-handed. Like, it, was, it was also a tough couple of pages to read because it was just lots of yeah. panels of her talking and then there was yep. also the, the, the on-screen chat at the side to read. There was a lot going on. Which a lot of those were repeated because I went back and read them all just to make sure <laughs> I didn't miss anything. Of course. So, yeah. Of course. Um, so, like, 
I appreciate that it is actually trying to take Cyborg's story forward, although the realization that his dad has put his, well, his mind basically into a, a uh-huh. robot body, because you know, at the end of the issue, we've got this weird robot body walking towards like the family home yep. as Victor's walking about reminiscing about all the old memories. And well, yeah, and I like that they go to his family home because after his accident, they kind of moved out of there because his, you know, because in this one, it, did the accident that got him also get his mom? Or did mom die before? I can't. No, I can't no, mom died later. Okay, so so it was after he had the accident and they all moved out. So I like when he goes there, everything looks the same, but there's like this thick layer of dust, you know. Um, but but yeah, as he's talking about, you know, no, maybe it was di- before. I'm doubting myself now. Yeah, it, so it, doesn't, like, uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. But it was after his accident they they moved, and his dad just basically spent all the time in the lab, right? Um. And stuff, and focusing on the project that was Victor, but like as this as this robot is is heading towards the house, and he's talking about his dad's room and his room, and then the robot goes into the dad's room and like gets into the drawers. I'm like, what? And then I put it together, what what this was. Yeah. Uh, uh but yeah, so as this robot walking down the street, everyone's like, oh, that's weird and creepy looking, and it's a very mm-hmm. creepy robot design. It's very sleek. Yeah. It's very skinny and like un unhuman. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and at the end, it's like father, and he's like Victor. By God, son, you've got the stuff of brilliance. So, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a name tag as well, just in case you were confused about who it was. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, I think it does kind of neuter the because f- I was like kind of happy early on that he was dead, just because I was like, oh, this is actually. <laughs> Well, no, just just because this is actually a new thing. It's actually taking it yeah. forward, and like Victor right. actually dealing with his father after he's dead, and he has these like regrets, right. or does, is he even happy he's dead? That's something that's brought up. You know, does he feel that way? Right, but like, is this is this his dad, or is this just an AI that thinks it's his dad? Oh, I mean, right? that's that's a question. Uh, but I, I guess my concern is is that I thought, okay, we're moving to a new area, but if his dad's just back in a slightly new form, then we're just mm-hmm. going to like slide back into daddy issues again just it just happens yeah. to be a robot instead of a human now. <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah, but yeah we'll see i'm curious it, it definitely this is the most a cyborg book has hooked me mm. uh early uh from all the times that i've tried so um i did like the joke though too with that with that weird news anchor where her her sponsors this ambulance chasing lawyer but it's it's more specifically in detroit it's like has a supervillain injured you so as this robot's walking down Victor Street, um, one of the guys yells that he's going to call that lawyer, right? Because of uh, that's of right, the yeah, yeah. That, I thought that was a, a fun little moment. That, that that was the other thing about that new segment is that it introduced two different characters in her yeah. reports, and I thought that was a bit awkward and clunky. Like it was because um, because it, it introduced yeah. the reporter or the, sorry, it introduced the uh, the other lawyer, the, the skeevy lawyer, mm-hmm. who does like dodgy like oh if a superhero like wrecked your car or injured you like call me for a claim they introduced yeah. him and then it introduced this other scientist or guy or whatever he is who yeah. tries to come and talk to vic later and he'll i'm sure he'll be important for the plot like going yeah forward, so he but... has he has a company called solace and they do like a lot of like genetic type stuff and like you send them a sample of your saliva and they'll they'll get you on a workout routine and and all this other stuff and um he worked with like uh, Victor's dad, Silas, was one of his first investors. So it, it also feels like they're going to do some like, oh, this is the son that he always thought he, you know, this is the son that he wanted 
because Victor talks when he's talking to his therapist about how his dad never really approved of him playing sports. Mom always kind of encouraged him to like be the best you. And if that means you're happy playing sports. Um, and it almost feels like this kid was the, the Victor that Silas wanted him to be right. The, the science guy. Um, so as long as we don't tread on that too much, I think it can be okay. Yeah. I don't think it was like a knockout the park, like oh. the other issue ones. Mm -hmm. But, but it was, it was still solid enough. Like, I, I still think it's potentially doing some interesting things with the character. Um, but it, like, like all cyborg books, though, like, I'm not, like, 100% convinced it's going to do anything super, like, notable mm -hmm. with the character. But, you know, hopefully it does. And um, whether or not I read issue two is just entirely going to depend on how many other books are out that Time. week. Time. Yeah. Uh, but, because this was definitely the lesser of the bunch. Um Mm -hmm. uh, the issue ones but if this was the worst issue one we read this week then honestly that's actually a really good going we're still doing pretty well yeah, yeah. so um all right well there you go uh what you've written cyborg uh, i'm show. gonna give us a, a seven okay um yeah i i think seven sounds sounds good mm -hmm. i think that sounds good so yeah, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week. Favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, uh, favourite art, and uh, top five books. So uh, what was your moment of the week, Matt? So I'd love to pick something from Brave and the Bold, but I feel like you're going to get that uh, covered. So I'm going to go from Titans, and it's when, when Gar becomes the gigantic Tamaranian predator and fights Titano. Because come on, it's Kaiju. So... Uh huh. Uh, that's that's fair. Um, I, I mean, like the first time the girl's talking to the Joker's phenomenal. The ending with the bat signal with the balloon going up out of the sky is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The guy's death uh, in front of Gordon with the smiling phenomenal. Like God, why is he smiling? Batman chasing the guy in the train yard with the rain mm -hmm. phenomenal. I'll go with the ending overall, but holy shit, that, that issue's full of moments. <laughs> that issue's full of moments I could have mm -hmm. picked. So, there you go. Uh, I have not had a chance to look at covers yet. I don't know if you have either. Well, you, you, you no, got any I, I have. Okay, go on. What you got? Yeah, um, so there's there's tons of covers this week, um, but the the ones I'm only mainly focused on were from Titans. Um, so the, the main one by Nicola Scott is, is really good. It's very indicative of, of Titans. But... Uh, Dan Moore did one, and it's it's got all of the team, but then the background is split off into like a, a rainbow cascade of stuff, and just the way okay, that it's yeah. colors and the positions. That's my cover of the week. Okay, uh, look at Titans. There's a really really like pervy thirsty one of Starfire with tattoos of the Titans. Yep, uh, I didn't even look at it because I have to keep uh, pure soul, sir. Uh, but even just their face, though, it's like they're going for kind of like a, it, a like it, I don't know. Uh, people know what I'm talking about when they look at it. Like it's it's going yep. it's going for a look. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, so looking through them, um, there's a bunch that I'm just sort of like eyeing up right now. So there's a Bad Girls variant by Robert Rodriguez, uh, where mm -hmm. it's like they've graffitied the title onto a wall. Uh, yep. Cast and Steph, I think that looks really cool. Uh, there's a Behermo Superman cover, uh, which looks really nice. I, I you know, I usually associate him with Batman, but it's a really yep. nice uh, shaded cover. Uh, World's Finest has a, a Redondo and Sam Pierre cover, uh, which looks really nice. 
got a nice sort of harsh lighting effect on it. Yep. Um, and I'm just looking at the other ones quickly. The main vigil cover is pretty solid for what it is. Um, I think though I'm probably going to pick. Uh, I'll go with the Behermal, uh Superman. Superman cover. Yeah, it's it's really nice. You know, and it's nice to see him do something that's not as dark and moody. Uh, I mean, his art's inherently got a bit of moodiness to it, but it's not There's as... The, yeah, the way that it plays with the shadow and crevices yeah. and stuff, too, even on that Superman cover. But it, that's just his style, right? Yeah, that's just, yeah, that's just what his art is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Uh, all right, art of the week. Like, look, I, I always try to give it to Dan Mora, right? But, like, now we have Mitch Gerrits. Yes. Uh, and then we have Nicola Scott. Yes. So that was a that was a this is a, like a heavyweight round. It's a heavyweight round, but I still think it's easily Garrett's. <laughs> easy, yeah. Garrett's came in there and just you know, two like, rounds knockout. There you go. Like so. I, I obviously Scott's art was great. Obviously, Mora's mm-hmm. um, art was great. I think Robbie Rodriguez was really solid on yeah. Batgirls. Um, mm-hmm. I think the art in both Vigil and Cyborg were were pretty solid. You know, maybe not mm-hmm. up to some of these other standards, but really good. Mm-hmm. But Garrett's like, I was, like, page one, I was like, oh my god, like, I was drilling, you know? Yep. Like, that was instantly yeah, yeah. how I it's felt. Is that good? So, uh, alright, top five books, Matt, go. Alright, so number one's gonna be the Batman Raven the Bold story. Two is Titans, three is Vigil, four is Batman Superman World's Finest, and five is... Do I do Batgirls, or do I do... Yeah, I'll do Batgirls at five. All right, so number one main story from Raven the Bold, uh, yep. unsurprisingly. Number two, um, it's tough. <laughs> this is actually really tough. It's a good week. Uh, number two, I think I think I'll go Vigil. Number three, Titans. Number four, Batgirls. Number five. Uh, world's finest. I, I, I feel like it was a good week. It, honestly, like yeah. Superman being a real mixed bag, like almost had a bit of a negative tone early on, but like honestly, and Flash was also a little bit mm-hmm. underwhelming, but uh, pretty good week. I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics then. So we are going to have Nightwing issue 104, uh, yep. which has the meme cover. Uh, you know, that one where the guy puts his hands on his face and goes past the other guy who's <laughs> standing all cool. Yeah, uh, Beast Boy is perfect for that too. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Nightwing 104, Action Comics 1055, Green Arrow issue 2, Harley Quinn issue 30, Justice Society of America issue 4, Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue 3, Tim Drake Robin issue 9, City Boy issue 1, The Sandman Universe Dead Boy Detectives issue 6, and DC Ruby issue 4. So, uh, not as busy as this week, but a pretty healthy assortment. We got a new issue 1. Um, GSA is back. Doom Patrol was really good. Looking forward to the action. Um, so did you see who's on the cover of Doom Patrol? Um, I did. It's our two favorite lanterns. Uh, well, just might be your actual favorite lantern, but your other favorite. Oh, one. my second favorite lantern. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and your yeah. mistaken yeah. favorite lantern. Yes. yes, we have we have Guy and, and Kyle. And they're in hot pursuit of the... I'm really liking that Doom Patrol book. Yeah, Doom Patrol book's great. Yeah. The first two issues were both fantastic, so... Yeah. Uh, I'm having a great time with that. Um, I'm surprised there's no Detective next week. Uh, yeah. I guess it got... Because it's usually... It's been the same week as Action for a while. Uh-huh. But... Yeah, I got pushed to the next week because there's nothing in the next week but the Power Girl special. 
then the Pride special. Oh, so week five. So oh. yeah. And Suicide Squad kill Arkham Asylum. But I don't think yeah, uh, yeah, we we might have to get some questions or something for that uh-huh. week because week five this month has Detective. You'll probably read the Power Girl special for sure. Uh, and I get well, I guess we'll read the DC Pride. Uh, normally those anthology books we'll usually yeah. skip, but there's nothing else that week, so uh, yeah. yeah, we'll go for it. Sure. <laughs> so anyway, that is the show. You can let us know what you thought of uh, this week's comics and the comments uh, or on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. Like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications. All those things help out a lot. But of course, what helps us most is going to be Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV and supporting us over there for any amount you feel like per month. Uh, five dollars and up, you get early access to the show whenever it's ready, late in the Saturday. Um, so it'll be there at the very least. It'll be there Sunday morning for you uh, before uh, all the all the regular people get it. But uh, yeah, go go support the show. Um, but that is that is us. That has been episode three five seven of Comics from the Multiverse. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.